at Sifpop. We're your movie friends. But are friends really friends? If you don't know them, so grab a popcorn and head over to our row so we can chat movies like friends do. There's always room for more movie friends. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the writer's room. Hello and welcome to Sif Pop Writers Room. I'm your host, Aaron, but not that Aaron, of course. And today I'm joined by Sif Pop Writers Jack. Hello. As well as Rowan. Hello. We write for SifPop.com, providing movie reviews, best ever challenges, lots of other interesting movie-related articles. Make sure to check out the website, SifPop.com, to keep up with all that. Jack uh, recently published an article. You had a... a, Two. Two of them, right. I made... One of them was today, right? Yep, just a couple hours ago. Yeah, because that was the I, like I know I made a graphic for you this morning, but as mentioned earlier, I made sixteen graphics this morning. <laughs> yeah, uh, rem- what did you publish? So a couple hours ago, it was Day Shift, the Jamie Fox vampire right. movie, and then That's Sandman right. was like two days ago, I think. Yeah, it was a couple days ago. I I saw that in the draft, so I was like, I gotta get stuff made just for today, and I was like, Sandman's trending. Let's let's publish a review on that. Mm-hmm. So. And Rowan also had something come. Actually, Rowan, yours doesn't come out until the weekend. But I was about to say, uh, I, I submitted mine very recently, and it's not exactly on the top of the trending list. Uh, so who yeah. knows? Who knows when we're going to get my uh, my my secret headquarters review? Uh, if, mm. if anyone out there has heard of that movie, I um, know when we're going to get that review. Uh, <laughs> I think it's scheduled for like Saturday at I think noon cool. Central. Um, but yeah, I was just like got to publish sixteen things, <laughs> like. But I don't want to just every hour, like I try to keep like at max five posts a day and mm-hmm. less on Friday because I don't want to take away from the BEC. So right. I typically try not to schedule anything before like five on Friday, but gotcha. you know, anyway, so I think Saturday that's coming out. There's always something going on over at Zip Pop. So many things. There's not just <laughs> something. There's always so many things. Um but yeah, so that's stuff you can check out the website that these guys have written on. Uh, but lots of good stuff there. Uh, but on the podcast, uh, we're going to talk about a coming attraction. We've got three movies coming out this week um, that are of relative big. <laughs> What's the word from that? Like <laughs> scale. Scale. I don't really know. know. Like like Beast one is... of them I had never even heard of until I checked the notes. So, so like Beast is like obviously the biggest release mm-hmm. and then like yeah. there's a sequel to a movie that came out like 15 years ago that everybody's like huh and then there's spin me round which is like how have i not heard of this right um, but anyway uh we'll talk about those three and uh and then we'll talk about um tv for a while you know plenty of stuff to catch up on tv for the b plot foster suggested that we give our top five favorite episodes of tv of all time which um Man, that was that was difficult. Nearly <laughs> impossible, I think. Yeah. Well, it's one of those where it's like, you, how do you limit it to just five? So luckily mm-hmm. we have honorable mentions, but at least we have to have a top five. And uh, I'm actually pretty sure, like, here's here's how fluid this list is. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that my number five, I'm actually going to swap out with one of my honorable mentions by the time mm-hmm. we're done with here. Yeah, um, I'm pretty pretty fluid with it too. It's same. so tough. And I'm and I'm also saying that like. I tried to limit myself to where I won't talk about any one show more than once. So like yep. I, I couldn't have that like well. two episodes from the same mm-hmm. series, which if I would have not done that, then <laughs> totally different list. Same for sure. So yeah. Anyway, that's, that's my, uh, that's, that's how we did that. We'll get there. It should be a lot of fun. Um, and then we'll do the spinoff quick recommend or warn from each one of us. But first let's get a chance to know our writers this week. Uh, Rowan and Jack, you've both been on the show relatively recently before as well. 
Um, so I figured let's have a conversation. This is the TV episode, and there's been lots of conversation about everything going on with HBO Max and Discovery and this merger and this really mm-hmm. sexist slide that they put out about <laughs> saying what oh HBO God. and Discovery are for, which I think is hilarious. Oh. Um, I actually like I, my favorite thing I saw from that day was somebody quote quote tweeted that because it was like all the things that like are discovery oriented. And they said it's like mm-hmm. female oriented versus HBO is male oriented. And then all the things that might typically fall into that gender role or like, I guess extreme gender role because it was like fire guns and explosions and all that versus like HGTV stuff. And, and I, I, I saw a quote tweet. Somebody said like, Oh, so this is how I find out that I'm like transsexual or something. Like that. And I, <laughs> I retweeted it, but then I like took it back because it's like, I don't identify as that. And I don't want to misconstrue that. So, right. but like, that's a really funny joke. Um, to somebody that I don't know on Twitter. So I don't know if they are, but I just didn't want to send the wrong impression. And mm-hmm. uh, um, anyway, I just, I thought that was hilarious, but uh, Warner brothers discovery, all this stuff. Uh, what are, what are your thoughts? Oh, oh boy. <laughs> Quite a loaded question. Mr. Schweitzer. I, mm-hmm. I, I guess. All right. Look, how does any of this make sense? Is my first question. Mm-hmm. Like, how does it make sense that discovery has enough money to buy HBO like well it wasn't it wasn't just HBO it was it was Warner all like all of Warner and that's even bigger right like it should be the opposite way right yeah you would think yeah you would think (laughs) like I mean between like I look I know that like Warner is not I know that it was controversial for them to release the day and the date for the 2021 films but like those films still made money like not not a ton, but like Dune still made good money, and man, they just spent ninety million dollars on a Batgirl film that they're not doing. Like, and mm-hmm. you gotta think, think that at least for the month of March, the Zack Snyder's Justice League stuff, and you gotta think that right. you know, toy sales, literally any merch sales, like you know, fanboys are out there just gobbing up anything they can. Like, how does Discovery have more money for them, more money than them? Like I don't yeah. I, I think the only person I know that ever had Discovery Plus before this thing was Aaron Dicer. I think yeah. he's the only person that has Discovery Plus. I mean he has he has everything, doesn't he? Because he has to keep up on so much stuff. <laughs> yeah, but I th- I don't think he has everything. Um I'm not sure that he has stars of showtime. Um I think I mean stuff. it's definitely one of those things where at least for me, like I didn't exactly realize all of the stuff that Discovery owned until like I started seeing a lot of that. And one of the funniest things for me was looking at that graphic where, mm-hmm. you know, they had the different IPs like split up where you saw like Batman or whatever. And I, I think a lot of people commented on it where they had the 90 day cinematic universe as its own thing. Yeah. It just absolutely <laughs> cracked me up. Like the fact that they're like one of their flagship IPs is not the DCEU. It is actually the 90 day where they have like 30 different TV shows. It's really funny. And I, I think like I just underestimated exactly how much that that property ruled. I mean, like a lot of the like my, my family members who aren't like particularly into the entertainment sphere spend a lot of time on those channels that they own like those are just like a lot of like if you still have tv those might be on in the background or might be actively like so i i think it might control more of the actual cable tv than than i just had really anticipated sure um yeah what an interesting 90 day i'm trying to find some tweets from that day because it was just mm-hmm that was a fun day on Twitter. Not yeah, many fun days on Twitter anymore, but that was one of them. <laughs> it's it's cr- it just every single day. I, the the 
gray hair that a publicist for Warner must have right now, it, it must be a measure. Like you're either waking up to your parent company making the worst financial decision of all time or um, Ezra Miller making the like just some sort of insane criminal act. Or right. I think recently I saw that they're trying to like apologize and and regain. They went the, with option A. Yeah, it, I mean, it, <laughs> exactly. And yeah, it, it just it absolutely baffles my mind and it, it honestly is concerning and it's it's like as a consumer of some of their products it's concerning one of my favorite tv shows out right now one of the the truly most creative shows that i've seen in a long time is doom patrol yes and and, and it's been so successful on, on that but you know it's just getting lumped into all of these dc things that can't really feel protected by warner right now so i don't really have a reason to reconnect with the the property like i just don't want to get attached to something that's just going to be axed the next day right right before we started recording i saw um that warner the discovery rather is removing 30 hbo max original tv shows this week and so i read that they are doing this to sort of get rid of the shows that aren't doing quite as well however Every show has fans. Every show has people who watch it, even if like like, you know, even if there are very few people comparative to, I don't know, um, you know, like like Doom Patrol. But even, you know, Doom Patrol was lumped in. I saw that they cited that as Doom Patrol and Titans might not survive this mass cancellation, which really sucks because I do enjoy both of those shows. I mean, they're not my favorites ever, but I really do enjoy watching them. And the fact that, you know, um, and I know a lot of other people watch them, too, and and like if that's not enough for warner bros i don't really know what is and you know like any streamer they're not going to give us numbers and if they do give us numbers it's going to be adjusted to whatever they want us to see and whatever they want us to believe but mm. at the same time you know i feel like they're basically just doing whatever they want and making up excuses for it, getting rid of the content that they don't want to have on their platform and coming up with with you know something to to justify it even if it doesn't make a ton of sense. It's man, it's so crazy. And I made a tweet that got went surprisingly viral because none of my tweets ever go viral. <laughs> um, but it just said something like, "I just I hate what HBO Max is doing," but it's just like a good reminder for me. Like this is why I buy physical stuff. Like because look, one day they're going to come out. Like your favorite show isn't going to be available on your favorite platform, or like look at like what happened with friends when friends was on Netflix and then it moved over to HBO max. I don't have to worry about it. Like I have the DVD set or like, or like uh, whenever, like I wasn't paying for Hulu for the longest time. So like I, I, I have DVDs of parks and rec. I actually just upgraded them to Blu-rays cause Amazon prime, you know? Um, but, uh, but like, I just, I picked up, uh, there was a sale of like HBO shows on voodoo the other day. I picked up newsroom because newsroom is an incredible show. And it's like, I don't ever want to not be able to watch Newsroom. And, like, you got to wonder, especially some of these older shows, like Newsroom, like, what's to stop them from cutting that? Like, even though Newsroom is one of the most, like, acclaimed shows that, I, I don't know, it's not a show that I really feel like you watch four or five times in your life, you just watch on repeat or whatever. Like, like what? when is The Wire not going to be trending? And they're just going to remove The Wire. And it's like, that's that's a bad call if you remove The Wire. Like... I don't know like that's that's my biggest thing and like for for a lot of these shows like there is no physical media available like I don't I don't believe you could buy a Doom Patrol Blu-ray maybe for the first season um but like and like if they if their plan is to release them or if their plan is 
you know, we're releasing these contracts, we're trying to sell the contracts, but we're just going to remove them for now. That way we can increase demand and then Netflix is going to have to pay 90 million instead of 70 million for the rights to do patrol or something like that. Like maybe that works. I don't know. And then, and then Netflix could just continue to invest tons of money into other stuff instead of do patrol, you know, <laughs> tons of stuff into a more day shift or, or <laughs> a whatever day other. They shouldn't do that. Bright two. The know? Gray Man cinematic universe. Hey, hey, hey. I like the Gray Man. I haven't seen <laughs> the Gray Man, so I, okay. I, I can't okay. join in this conversation yet. <laughs> yeah, I talked about a spin-off. I know this is weird because like we're recording this episode like a day after the last one launched. Mm, so like gotcha. I talked about the Gray Man last week. So I think um, just a, a little thing to quickly bounce off of what you're talking about with the I, I just think we've become too dangerously reliant on streaming services. And now they're making these dumb decisions that really show that. Like, I think a good example of why physical media is, is better. I don't know if you guys have seen how they're, how Disney plus is just like editing stuff. Yep. Um, like they're changing episodes of like Falcon and the winter soldier Lilo and stitch. The original movie has been changed. Like they're not necessarily bad, but one thing, and we'll talk about it in a moment because it, it's uh, all over my list and that kind of stuff. <laughs> there are one specific episode of community that you just cannot find. It's, Community yep. is on almost every single, like it's on Netflix, Hulu, and some episodes on YouTube. One episode that was removed, I think personally wrongfully, because, you know, it's a whole thing, but that is just gone if you're dependent on those streaming services. So, so really physical media is just proving to become, to be dominant. And there's I don't know. a, there's an episode of Scrubs that's the same way. Yeah, exactly. And, and those Although, things become lost. Yeah. I kind of think rightfully removed because they're like, we, we used blackface and bad taste. So it's like. Okay, like, and they're like self-admitting it, like, so. Yeah. Anyway, exactly, and and I think you know it's it's just that is a complicated conversation to have, but then there's just like specifically Disney Plus just like making their sh- shows slightly less violent for it's just it's it's weird why you would release mm. that this and then I don't know so it's well, just, that, I, I think to preserve that that content is is really important. It's it's so interesting because I was thinking about that the other day. Like, I, I don't think I watch anything that I'm worried about getting removed from specifically like the creator, like something that is made specifically for Netflix. Like, obviously, like stuff that is made for Fox or I guess Fox is a bad example because Fox will always go to Hulu. Um, but like, let's say something that's made for I don't know, some sort of network TV that all of a sudden just Netflix doesn't re-up their contract or HBO is offering them more or something like that. Like something along those lines, like one of the, like it's just going to go and I'm not going to be able to know where to find it or anything like that, or it's going to go to something that I don't pay for. And I'm just, I, I'm just frustrated at the conversation because I think like, it feels like we're all getting to the point where it's like, there's just too much content out there. Like, we're recording this episode of TV and like I haven't watched a ton a ton, especially because most of my TV watching is after 10 p.m. And I just don't feel like watching something heavy. Mm-hmm. So like we'll talk about Westworld, but I will talk about one episode of Westworld and the finale <laughs> is out. And like that will pain me because like I like Westworld is one of my favorite shows out there. But I've, instead, I've watched five seasons of Letterkenny. But um, <laughs> but we like it's 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 just so interesting because um like, I don't, I don't tend to watch. Where, where was I going with that? <laughs> I don't know where I was going with that. It's just, no, really, where was I going with that? I had a good point that I was going to bring up. We believe you. <laughs> no, you don't. <laughs> <laughs> 
the audience gets to gets to make it up for themselves. <laughs> I, I think it was something along the lines of oh 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 got it. Here's where I was going. I, so I my point is I already am not spending a ton of time watching TV, but tomorrow She Hulk comes out, mm-hmm. and Sunday House of the Dragon comes out, and like a week later Rings of Power come out, and it's been ten years since I've seen the Lord of the Rings trilogy. So like I really want to watch them before Rings of Power. So <laughs> like. How am I going to find all this time to do stuff? So it's like everybody knows that there's this problem of oversaturation. And like, honestly, I'm, 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 I'm just stop making so much stuff. And then you don't have to do these things where you have to just get rid of Doom Patrol off your service. If nobody ever made Doom, mm-hmm. Patrol, Doom Patrol for HBO Max, yes, that would have been a shame because the people I know that watch that show really like it. I mean, we would never know. <laughs> well, but like, if, if it was never it's made. one of those things that eventually it would have come up somewhere right because every comic book property is going to be of course you know drained for its ip at some point you know um but it, but at least like if it never happened we wouldn't know what we had but now that we now that we have it and there's a fan base and they're gonna take it away like oh i feel like doom patrol's got enough behind it that somebody else will pick it up if they Man, allow it so. though because they also own dc stuff so maybe they'll just say mm. we don't want dc stuff in creative control of other people's hands like that i could see discovery yeah. making that move too it's just I'm, I'm gonna stop saying things now because i've been hogging all the time i just none of this makes any sense to me no it really it really doesn't I, I think it just proves that i don't understand streaming services like what what benefit is there uh, okay i get that they can make batwoman a, a tax write-off like that to some extent makes Still sense to me. It's unfortunate. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it, I 100% was there for it. I don't really understand what the purpose of taking shows that you've already invested money into and put on your service. Like, I don't, I just don't, I guess I don't get streaming services. Like, I think that it, one's also, it's, it's, they can get money back. They can use it as a tax write-off. I think I did not know They can that. use I, it as a partial. Really, it's a partial. It, it's a partial. It, it's, it's only a partial. Even yeah. if the show's been out for like a year and a half now, they can yeah, just because yep. it's crazy. Kind of, because it's kind of contingency on availabilities, the way the contracts are structured. From my understanding is it, it may only be 5%, but if you do it for 30 shows, that were let's say hundred hundred million dollars total. I mean, I realize it would be more than that, but just for the sake of easy numbers, you know, hundred million dollars total, and you're able to write off ten percent of that. Like that's ten million dollars you can write off. Like that's not nothing. Yeah. And for most of those shows, no, like four people are going to care about. But those four people will care passionately, and mm-hmm. we'll hear about it on Twitter. Oh, yeah. we sure Crazy. will. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, it's interesting though. I'm sure we'll hear more about it tomorrow. Because it's oh, yes. all that's on my Twitter. And the feed. next day, and the next. I just. Day. I guess, all right, my last two thoughts are, I just hope this doesn't ruin HBO Max because it's clearly the best streaming service out there. By a mile, in terms of original content and typically what they have. By so far. I mean, nothing comes close. Um, I, just, I, hope, I just hope it doesn't ruin what HBO Max is because I really feel like the people that set it up, like by adding a lot of Criterion films and by adding the TCM and by you know incorporating it with DC stuff, like I really feel like it was made for something special and it is something special and I love it. I just, I don't want to see it go away, especially cause like I Barry can't end with season three. Like, <laughs> um, well, so, 
so t- to the best of my understanding, HBO is staying where it is. Like the TV channel HBO, nothing right. is going to happen. All of the HBO originals are not going to be touched at all. Right. Well, However, yeah, I think that's the difference. Yeah. However, HBO Max next summer is going to be merged with Discovery Plus into a brand new streaming service in which they have not revealed anything about it then. Whether the Criterion stuff or the Turner Classic Movie stuff is going to carry over, I don't know. I sure hope it does because that's part, as you said, Aaron, that's part of what makes HBO Max amazing. Well, and that's and that's more so what I'm saying is like I don't want it to lose anything. Right. Like, and hopefully those contracts were designed to where they can't back out of TCM and they can't back out of. I mean, I know that they like they don't have a lot of Criterion movies actually because Criterion has their own streaming. So I think it's just whatever is on TCM that's also Criterion. But like, I don't know. Hopefully they've structured those contracts to where there's no way they can back out of it at least while the launch. Um, but I just I hope it doesn't change. Yeah, I hope it doesn't change that, and I hope, mm-hmm. um, I hope it ultimately. I hope at the end of the day, it's still more HBO than it is Discovery. And I mm-hmm. hope this is one of those things that we look back in a couple of years and just be like, we were so worried about all the wrong things, like because we were all worried that this was going to happen, that you know they, that HBO Max was going to become the equivalent quality catalog of Paramount Plus or Peacock or something like that. And instead, it's thriving. Like, you know, so. Or hopefully Netflix just does something stupid again soon and we all start going to worry about Netflix again. Which, <laughs> fine, Netflix can go away. I, I feel care. like ne- Netflix will be fine either way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there are they have several billion things on their service that they could use as tax write-offs if they really want to, so. That's true. I got, oh, I guess I never thought about Oh, all right, I know we're already 20 minutes in this, but how soon <laughs> before Netflix does that? Uh, I give it five years max okay i'm man i'm skeptical i think i think they're gonna take advantage and see oh the pushback isn't that hard against this and we have way less popular stuff than hbo like if they're talking about doom control like 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 what's a show that nobody that netflix made that nobody's talked about in five years like um what's what's like vampire show that was like one of their original lineups Oh boy! Um, uh, I is that know the exactly. Santa Clarita Diet or whatever? No, because I loved that show, and that was a couple couple years after that. Um, Hemlock's Grove—that's the one. Ah, yeah. who said Hemlock's Grove in the last five years? Like, it's a great question. <laughs> that's maybe one they could write off. Um, honestly, yeah, I'm sure they have all kinds of stuff. Wouldn't be the worst idea for them to just completely get rid of House Cards, um, a show that I like, but at least kind of wash wash their hands of that whole situation still. Right. Um, may not be the worst idea um so anyway i just i think netflix is going to take advantage especially you know if they raise prices like the more they raise prices the fewer people are gonna you know enable auto renew so yep yeah guess we'll have to find <sighs> out all right let's stop being old men complaining about things oh no but i love being an old man complaining about so let's be young people talking about some good things my random question for you guys this week <laughs> something not movie related i want to know what is the best concert you've ever been to oh boy um i think i've asked this on the podcast once but it definitely wasn't with you too so i'm a younger person than both of you and i have been to less concerts probably likely than both of you i have been to four ish Okay, maybe I've been to more concerts than you, Jack. <laughs> um, but the best concert, I gotta say, am I gonna go with my head or I'm gonna go, or am I gonna go with my heart? I'm gonna go with my heart, and I'm yes. going to say because my head is the conventional one, but my heart 
Uh, there is a singer songwriter named Al Stewart who uh, does songs about um, he does folk rock songs, mostly about historical things. They're very good. He's been my favorite artist for many, many years. And I recently saw him. So I go to school uh, up near New York City and I saw a show. Uh, I saw one of his shows at the City Winery in uh, April. My girlfriend visited. She went with me. It was amazing. Um, and uh, there was one moment when he uh, he said something about, oh, I'm going to delve into my obscure back catalog and I'm going to play this song. And I could tell most of the people in the audience were like, what? Like, what the hell is he going like, to like, what the hell is this song? I don't remember this. And I just had the whole song in my head as he was playing it. I could have sung along. That's how much of a fan of this guy I am. Um, nice. Yeah. So, so that was like it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a huge bombastic rock concert, but I I everyone was very excited to be there and that energy like made it really really fun so yes that is the best concert i've ever been to cool what about you jack so yeah i've been to very very few concerts but all of them that i've been to have been like pretty high quality honorable mention t-pain was amazing i think has some of the best m- music i've ever heard in my life just in terms I would of not club take songs, you as a T Pain person, you look I, like bro, a Mumford and Sons kind of guy. If you guys no, can see, I, well, no, no, no. <laughs> hey, look, my number one artist. Right, I mean, I, I, I have an eclectic music taste. I would like. Look, I got the kid Seagos in the background, but my number <laughs> one is I, I. don't know if you've heard of her. Her name's uh, Remy Wolf, um, who is a. She's got a, a song with Dominic Fike recently and stuff like that. Um, I don't she, know either of those names. <laughs> really? Oh, uh, Dominic Fike is a big guy right now. He was in Euphoria, but also he's a he's a singer. Oh, I've, I've did you see? Did you see season two? Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah, but she is a Soon, at a, some point is a pop pop R and B star um, with uh, just this really cool flair and incredible voice. Uh, very um, reminiscent of like Red Hot Chili Peppers, who I like a lot, but um, with R and B like tones to it, that it, it's just incredible and. She has had an amazing voice, great energy. It was like a small place in Columbus. Um, so it like didn't, you know, you could, you felt close to it. It, it was an absolutely outstanding time for sure. That's great. Nice. So. Um, but since you gave an honorable mention, I'll give an honorable mention. I love this trend of what bands are doing recently where they're like, they're, they've been big for so long, but they're like, we're going to do a 10 year anniversary and we're going to play this whole album front to back. And it's just like, mm-hmm. yes, please do that. Please do that every <laughs> five years for every album. Like, <laughs> Play, I don't care about any of the new stuff. Play the stuff from 20 years ago front to back, especially because mm-hmm. like a lot of times as they're doing this, like they're like, we've never played this song live. Like it was never in our rotation. I'm like, how? But uh, <laughs> like, how do you tour for 20 years and never play one of your songs? And so mm-hmm. um, I just always think that stuff is interesting, but it's all it's it just makes me so happy. So both of them, both the concerts I'm going to mention have done that. My honorable mention is um, August Burns Red, which is arguably my favorite band. Um, by the way, there's no better show than a rock show. So, um, August Burns Red, House of Blues of Chicago, um, 2018, I believe they played Messengers, which is their best album, um, front to back, incredible show. Uh, and then the other one that I'll mention is I saw Under Oath. Uh, this is my this is my favorite show, uh, Under Oath, um, when they reunited in 2016. Uh, they they played two of their early albums back to back. It was the um, uh, the Lost of the Sound of Separation and um, oh shoot I don't even know the name of the album right now but it's my They're Only Chasing Safety. It was those mm. two albums back to back and They're Only Chasing Safety is like top three albums of all time for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's awesome. 
messengers would also be in the top three. Wow. Uh, but <laughs> anyway, I just they two full albums back to back. Incredible. Uh, and wow. they were awesome. So that is that'd be my answer. Well, um, s- since you guys gave honorable mentions, I feel obligated as well. Um, yeah, so yeah. I'm going to just mention uh, my my the one that I would have gone with had I gone with my head. And that is my very first rock concert, which was Green Day. Um, which was three days. Yeah, it was three days, two days before I began freshman year of high school, and uh, my ears still weren't fully uh, mm-hmm. working uh, mm-hmm. very well when I started, uh, and I, I I felt like an old man trying to trying to hear uh, the teacher on the first day. But uh, yeah, love, love, love Green Day. Um, that T Pain concert murdered my ears. I did not think I was going to recover. <laughs> too much auto tune, just far too much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i'm gonna have permanent hearing damage at some point because of the rock shows that i went to in college <laughs> mm-hmm. hey it's okay worth it could, could be worse it could be worse things contributing to your hearing loss right yeah at least it doesn't matter <laughs> yeah uh i'm already i've already got hair loss why not just go for it, all the losses you know um let's stop before i say something that's really bad uh <laughs> all right three movies to talk about which one do you guys want to start with oh man uh, I probably have the same amount of things to say about all of them, so uh, I don't. I think me too. <laughs> Let's start with the biggest one, Beast. Sounds uh, good. Uh, this is this is theatrical exclusive, starring Idris Elba. Um, I don't think anybody else recognizable in this. Am I wrong? Uh, Charlotte Copley from like hmm. A Team and stuff. He's like semi popular, chappy. I think. Uh, okay. Um, and he was in uh, D- uh, District Nine as well. It's been a hot minute since I've seen District 9. Yeah. So, okay, so there we go. Um, yeah, a father and his two teenage daughter find themselves hunted by a massive rogue line intent on proving that the Savannah has but one apex predator. Uh, what do you guys think about this? The only thing keeping you is your free will, so we're not going to take in budget or schedule any of that into your account. How soon do you think you'd go see this? Uh, do you think you'd go catch it in theaters? Wait till you can rent it at home. Wait till it's on a streaming service you already pay for? Or are you just not interested in seeing this? Uh, Rowan, let's start with you. Um, I will go very hesitant streaming service, uh, board, bordering on not interested, um, and I'll explain my reasoning in a minute because I, I, I want to hear what everyone else thinks first. Okay, well, before Jack says his, I'll just mimic what you said. All right, what, what you got, Jack? I'll uh, one-up you guys, high side of streaming service. Oh, whoa. <laughs> one whoa, specific whoa. reason, one specific <laughs> Me reason. Me too. Me too. My, my, the reason why I'm out of not interested is because I just love Idris Elba too much. Exactly. That's it. We can move on, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> I remember seeing – so um, I play this game when I go to the movies with a friend called The Trailer Game, where uh, the first person to guess what the movie is that the trailer's playing – gets a point or something it's completely arbitrary but this was one of the uh, the trailers that came on that nobody could guess i was at the movies with a lot of friends we were watching this trailer and we were like what the hell is this movie and how come we have not heard of this because when i saw idris elba i was like is this is this a new george miller movie is this and then i saw a lion and i was like what is going on um but it just i don't know like you guys mentioned, Idris Elba is the only thing drawing me into this movie, um, and I don't want to pay for this movie at all. Uh, if it pops up on, on a streaming service, probably Peacock because it's universal. Um, I'll I'll see it, uh, and if it doesn't, no big loss. I have a feeling this isn't going to be a a modern classic, but who knows? It, Could surprise it just you. Also, like, doesn't look very exciting. Like the trailer mm-hmm. comes on, and like I don't get like jump back in my seat. I don't like get a smile or a grin on my face. Like. The only thing I'm just like is, oh, Idris Elba. I enjoy him. 
Mm-hmm. Like, like I really enjoy him, but like mm-hmm. he's also he doesn't have the best track record. Like <laughs> I love him, but he's made some questionable choices. So like he's not one of those people that I see him and I'm like I'm in. You know, he's not one of those. Right. Um, I don't know. I feel like maybe um, has Lucas Hedges earned that right? Um, he's not in a ton. I mean, but between Manchester yeah. by the Sea and yeah. Lady Bird, right? No, I didn't see Lady Bird. I think. Oh, yeah. You didn't um, see Lady Bird. The... <laughs> Gosh, what was the beautiful boy? Was that the one yeah, he was in? Sounds right. Yeah, the one with Steve Carell. Yeah, but like, look, 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 like Idris Elba is in the Suicide Squad and great in that. Oh, he's also in the new George Miller one. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's uh, three thousand years of longing, which I am mm-hmm. significantly more excited for than this. But for I guess sure. that'll be that'll be on 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 next week's show. Two weeks. Yeah, two weeks. Um, Wait, yeah, two yeah. weeks? I'm seeing it next week. Huh. Um, and maybe it's in New York advanced. Cool. Uh, I am not in New York <laughs> right now. Um, well, but, I don't know, maybe it's one of those that. Yeah. We're doing the. Mm-hmm. We're talking about the Mad Max film, so maybe I just right. push that back a week. Right. He's in Fast and Furious. Like, but like him as Heimdall was like maybe. I guess it's not a bad. He mainly has a bad the TV cred, honestly. Right, Luther with and all that. The Wire and Luther, like actually, yeah. one of Look, the best one two punches of all time. I think I think he's snubbed uh, for an for Academy Award for Molly's Game. I think he's incredible in Molly's Game. Mm-hmm. Um, I liked The Dark Tower more than most. Um, I saw it once, so don't fault me there. Um, he's kind of an everyday like not really a special person in star trek beyond like he's in so much makeup there's not really much <laughs> i about him like yeah he's just super know. charismatic and like i i have yet i have seen bad movies or things with him in it but he has never been the problem for me exactly and i've always yes. enjoyed watching him on the screen so i mean if a big line's there like i would totally just like one late night where i have nothing to do i would watch it for sure that's fair well, and he's in uh, Pacific Rim, which I think was my awakening mm-hmm. to Idris Elba. And, but, like, for every Pacific Rim, there's, like, a Ghost Rider Spirit of Vengeance. So, like, <laughs> you know, for every... Yeah. Um, I, 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 For every Luther or Molly's game, there's a... Uh, oh, this movie came and went, didn't it? Uh, the Mountains Between Us. <laughs> <laughs> was that the one with, uh, with, with Kate Winslet? Yep. Yeah, <laughs> I remember when that came out, and uh, then I promptly forgot about it. Thank you for for stirring up that memory. I got you. Anyway, <laughs> Idris Elba is the best. I'm so happy. Have you both seen Luther? No, mm-hmm. I haven't. Oh, okay. Just I know Jack mentioned it, and I was just like, I'm so happy. Like to have like because I know. Um, I guess spoiler for an article that's coming up, but like Mike watched all of Luther as mm-hmm. this month's cross platform partners, mm-hmm. uh, and like. I love Luther. I think it's, yeah, like it's the really most good. underseen show ever. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's so incredible. Also on HBO Max, by the way. Um, <laughs> for now. <laughs> for now, we'll see. Uh, I think it's incredible work. So I'm just Absolutely. and then like Mike's been talking about it on Twitter, and then Foster's been. I'm like, yay, friends! Like, <laughs> mm. anyway. Um, all right, Jack, you pick. What do you want to talk about next? The orphan first kill or spin me around? Um, let's do spin me around, but I need you guys to go first because I literally know nothing about this movie. Like I need somebody to sell me on it if it's going to be good, because you said you hadn't heard of it and were like potentially excited about it, but I really just don't know. Okay. So here, here's my experience with this movie. Um, Shane writes like 70 reviews a month on the site, <laughs> uh, because he's a madman, as mentioned on this show many times. Mm. 
and uh and and a lot of these like kind of come and go like a lot of them are like movies i've never heard of i will never hear of hear of them again but like at least like sometimes they spark some interest and all of a sudden like i'm looking up the graphics or the, looking up the images to make the graphics for the site and all of a sudden like the two leads here are aubrey plaza and allison brie i'm like what mm-hmm. take a look further down the list we got debbie ryan from uh the sweet life on deck uh you know that that's my that's my era um, Alessandro Nivola, um, he's a face I know. What what do I know him from? Uh, American Hustle, Face Off, Many Saints in New York, something I'm sure. Um, yeah. I think he, I think he's kind of one of those like that guys, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, Molly Shannon, Lil Rel Howie, Howry, Zach Woods. Hey, you know Zach Woods, Rowan, right? That was Foster. <laughs> Dang it. <laughs> Does the audience know th- know know this story? Uh, I mean, yeah, because it was on a podcast. Yeah, but uh, yeah, <laughs> YouTube. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I still have that Zach photo like a, for whatever like reason. Fun. It's extremely low res, but it's a young Foster and his friends with Zach. Oh, because it was you two on the same episode. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, it. That okay, sense. that's why. Uh, Fred Fred Armisen also in here. Um, it's a good written cast. and directed by um, Jeff Baina, and then also writ- co-written by Allison Brie. So like. That's a lot of intrigue there for me. Uh, and then uh, Jeff Benea um, wrote Life After Beth, I Heart Huckabees, The Little Hours. Mm. Good for him. I've not seen any of them. Um, no. And then this one. So, like, by the way, also, for those of you that listen to every episode, um, Robert mentioned, w- last time I had Robert on, he said there was a review that was coming out in August that was embargoed that he said, like, he had no interest in. And then the review came out and he's like, oh, actually, like, this was that movie, Spin Me Round, um, from what he said. So, uh, <laughs> for those of you that wanted closure, so look, I I haven't seen the trailer. Um, I I know exactly what I've told you. Oh, by the way, synopsis: A woman wins an all expenses trip to a company's gorgeous institute outside of Florence, and also has a chance to meet the restaurant chain's wealthy and charismatic owner. She finds a different adventure than the one she imagined. That's all I know about this movie. Um, but I'm still going to be there, like, at least streaming, but, like, a, a mm-hmm. pretty excited streaming. Like, I don't know that I want to pay money to this, but, like, I'll watch, any, like, Alison Brie and Aubrey Plaza together, plus you throw in, like, Fred Armisen. Like, there's some really funny, like, really high-profile people in this movie. Like, kind of excited. Mm-hmm. Like, I kind of want to see this. I don't really want to pay money for this, but if this was, like, a Netflix original, like, I'd probably check it out really quickly. What about you, Rowan? Um... I am going to land in streaming as well, if at all, um, because I so I saw some stuff virtually at South by Southwest this year, which is where Spin Me Round premiered. So I was following all the premieres and what my what some of my film friends thought of it. And I heard some kind of tepid things coming out of it. And so I, I then I just discounted it and then I read more about it and just as you were mentioning, Aaron, purely based on the people who are in it, they usually have a pretty good track record. And together, who knows that that might you know that might be something better. Uh, so I, mean, I don't don't really know. Um, wasn't there also like uh, Aubrey Plaza and Anna Kendrick and Mike and Wh- Mike and Dave need wedding dates, which I didn't see. We're not going to talk about Mike and Dave need wedding dates, right? But like, also, shouldn't that combo have right. also worked? Like, it, I I just I don't right. want this to be that. Also. Yeah. Another plus in the production company here is the Duplass Brothers Productions. And mm. I like the Duplass okay. Brothers. So mm. anyway. Yeah. I don't know. Um, I mean, it it 
sounds good on paper, and that is good enough for me to say at least streaming. Mm-hmm. Um, there you go. Yeah, I like I said, I needed to be. I did not know almost anything except for like Allison Brie, who is pretty close to selling me on it. Um, but then as soon as you said Fred Armisen and Zach Woods, I will watch this on streaming for sure. Two of the funniest people I think around in the entertainment sphere. So, Rowan, I'm just now seeing. Do you have a dark tower poster on your ceiling? That is a great catch, considering how dark my room is. Yeah, <laughs> I don't have it because I love the movie. I thought it was fine, but the poster is so cool. The poster yeah. is so cool, and I'm strongly considering taking it down actually because. I don't know if you can tell, but every square inch of my ceiling and wall is covered with posters. Mm-hmm. And so I kind of want to take down the dark tower to make room for something better. But I'm not there yet because it still looks. Oh, my God. It's so cool. It's so cool. I haven't noticed the ceiling stuff yet. I mean, I've noticed the Alien Covenant one behind you, which like mm-hmm. Bravo. Like, I really like that movie. And that's a brilliant poster. I yeah. think that poster is incredible. So, is yeah, the dark tower poster cool. is really great. And. Again, I, I, I remember seeing the movie once. I thought it was visually cool, and mm-hmm. that's about it. That's so. about it. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> just not catching that. Like, what are the odds? <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Um, all right. So, Orphan First Kill. Jack, since uh, since you have not yet given us the first rating, that means you get to kick us off. This is us after orchestrating a brilliant uh, escape from an Estonian psychiatric faci- facility. Esther travels to America by impersonating the missing daughter of a wealthy family. Um, Julia Stiles is in here. Um, that's a surprise to me. Um, what's she been doing recently? Anyway, um, yeah, this is a prequel to Orphan. Oh, this is a coming exclusive. Oh, select theaters and Paramount Plus on the nineteenth. So yeah, um, so what do you think? Do you have any history with the first movie? Are you at all interested in seeing the first movie because of this? So I have not seen the first movie. I have recently gotten like more into the horror genre and have been like really diving into it. Still virtually no interest. Like I don't like being negative, but this just the, the, this IP has no tie to me at all. Like nothing drawing me to it. I don't know that anybody has IP has this IP <laughs> like connected to it. Mm. This, this week is like the perfect, like August week, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. Rowan, what about you? Uh, I'm also not interested. Never seen the first movie. I do want to watch the first one at some point because I know it's it's not exactly like high, super high regarded, but it is one that I hear talked about a lot um, in in horror conversations. Um, so I, I have much more interest in the first movie. I know it's not the question. I have much more interest in the first movie than I do. And maybe if I watch the first one, then the completionist and me will want to watch the prequel. But generally, right now, I am not interested at all. The first movie is a horror movie that isn't universally hated, so it's already got to step up on 90% of horror movies. <laughs> you know, I think it's more highly regarded than Halloween Kills, and so that's not nothing. It's a shame. Uh, I like anyway. Halloween Kills. <laughs> Me too. Uh, kind of. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I'm conflicted. Um, yeah. <laughs> it just anyway. seems like such a random sequel. Yeah, right. it, it, it really prequel, does. I prequel, like, yeah. I wonder if they were just hoping, like, maybe word of mouth caught on to the first one enough that they really thought, like, maybe if we come out with a sequel, like, enough people will see it. Um, I, don't, I, I really don't. Maybe they thought, here's the script, and maybe there's something special about it. Um, like, I don't remember. Like, I don't know that there was like fan campaigns or anything. Like, 
it it it's it mm-hmm. feels so odd. My entire history with this franchise is I remember this movie like being advertised, but definitely when the first movie came out, like I wasn't into horror movies. Still not really into them, but like definitely wouldn't have had a clue about it. But are you guys like old enough to know what Tosh Point oh is? Yeah. <laughs> no. Okay. <laughs> Wait, how old are you, Rowan? Nineteen. Almost I'm 20. 22. Almost I mean, 20. Okay, yeah, all right, all right. I'm, I'm almost 20. I'm it's almost just 20. like, look, look, I was in high school when Tosh.0 started and mm-hmm. like was was a much bigger phenomenon than what it was, you know, probably more the time you were familiar with it, Jack. But like, so I was like perfect age group, like to start mm-hmm. for that show. And I just remember he did this thing where he would go watch a bad horror movie and then he would just spoil the whole thing and make a joke along the way, you know, um, kind of like a kind of like a mystery science theater 3000 kind of way. I mean, you wouldn't get comment like in the movie theater itself, but he would just be like, let me tell you this stupid thing that happens. And then that, and then that, and then not kidding. This is what happens. And then, <laughs> and he would just say like this, this long series of stupid things. Anyway, this was the first movie he did that for. So he did this and then he did the human centipede and the human centipede one. He did for like, he talked for like 23 straight minutes. Um, I think orphan was like seven minutes. So, Anyway, that's my entire history with this. I don't have, I don't care to have any more history with this, yeah, you know. this movie or the original. Um, it's it's just one of those you're like, huh? Why? Almost like when you find out like, at least something like Grease Two makes sense, right? <laughs> like because Grease was a mega hit, right? You know, um, but it's, this is just one of those. Oh, gosh, there's a million examples. Um, so you said this is going like straight to a streaming service with some Paramount Plus. Yeah, I mean, I mean, you know, starting up a streaming service, I guess you just got to toy with whatever properties you own. And but Paramount Plus has been out sticks. for eighteen months. Like yeah. this movie would have been starting production well into Paramount Plus's. They filmed at the end of twenty twenty for this one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Either way, Paramount Plus Still, yeah. launched. I think well, it was. I think it was in twenty twenty. So Paramount Plus also like was CBS All Access before. So like they just rebranded. Like it wasn't anyway. Yeah. Still relatively new for a streaming service, you know. And, yeah, yeah. I mean, the longer it goes on, the deeper you have to dig to uh to get something. You can't just rely on people rewatching the Jackass this... movies over and over again anymore. <laughs> this really feels like they were just like, we're going to put all our eggs in this basket over here. That is Halo. And then Halo really sucked. And then they were just like, we got to come up with something quick. Here, make a prequel to this horror movie from 15 years ago. <laughs> Maybe people will care about that. Like, it really feels like that was the way that this came about. And obviously that's not. Hey, you know, we're talking about it. <laughs> Only because I have to. Uh, anyway, well, let's move on. I'm, I'm tired of talking about bad movies. Um <laughs> Yeah. So before we move on, now people have gotten a chance to know you a little bit. Um, where where do you want to send people? Where do you want to pick your stuff? Uh, aside from sippop.com and all that, where do you want people to check out uh, whatever you're putting, social medias, websites, whatnot? Uh, Jack, let's start with you because I know it's a short list. Uh, <laughs> pretty much just uh, you can look me up on Twitter, Instagram, or Letterboxd, just Jack Grimmy, G-R-I-M-M-E. Um, pretty much the majority of what I do. There you go. What about you, Ron? That was short. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I won't. I won't. I won't make this too long. Uh, but I am on Twitter at bits of Joel uh, inside Last of Us Two joke. Um, 
And uh, I am on Letterboxd at, uh, I believe my username is Screen Avenger. Uh, you can just search Rowan Wood up there. I'll, I'll, I'll pop up. I watch at least a movie a day, so plenty of content up there. Uh, I try to review mostly everything. Uh, and um, the other thing that I'll promote is uh, my website. That's The Lenient Critic. Lenient Crit- That's TheLenientCritic.com. L-E-N-I-E-N-T Critic. I talk about movies on there. And also I post like most of the other podcasts I do on there too. So uh, that's a pretty solid place to go to to see what I'm up to. So I know there's at least three other podcasts, so... Yeah, yeah one of which Aaron will be a guest on pretty soon. Oh, um, hey! Yes, yes, uh, that, that episode hasn't been released yet, but we yeah, recorded it. Yeah, it's still not on Google Podcasts, so I still haven't listened to it. So <laughs> It's coming, hopefully. I don't know. Google doesn't like me. Uh, Knock on Google is on Google Podcasts. It is, because that one... Uh, wait, is it? Is yeah. it really? Yeah. Huh. I... That wasn't me, so <laughs> someone added it to Google Podcasts. <laughs> Thanks, whoever did that. Um, but yeah, who knows? We'll see. <laughs> anyway, uh, very nice. Well, here's a reminder uh, the Patreon exists. Patreon.com plus WR. You can check out $5, $10, $20 a month. Uh, my Nope review is finally up there. So if you're curious to know what I think about Nope, head over to that website, uh, check it out. And uh, more stuff coming to that soon. Uh, so uh, on to the SIF topic. Uh, we talk about TV today. It's the third Wednesday of every month. We talk about TV. So, uh, all right. We got to say what we're talking about like at the moment. But first, actually, um, I always forget to do this because I took it out of my notes because nobody cares to hear me say the same thing every month, even though <laughs> I typically do. Um, so I got to know, what is your favorite show of all time, Jack? Uh, easily Community. Ooh, there there okay. are some, some close, but I think that is one of the near perfect TV shows best sitcom of all time yeah all right starting off with bad takes okay uh (laughs) not that i didn't like community but it's like not even in my top 10 favorite 30 minute funny shows um i love i don't know it's a masterpiece (laughs) it is a masterpiece look i just uh, i picked up the blu-ray set on prime day so i'll get around to it before i die again uh (laughs) Again? We'll see. Bro, what about you? <laughs> um, I'll get around to it again before I die. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> um, my favorite oh, show of all time. Yeah, right. Um, my uh, number one favorite show of all time. This is half nostalgia, half um, just genuine uh, amazingness. And that is Doctor Who, uh, a, mm. a BBC show that we're not going to – I'm not going to include – the last four years in this summation um but everything before that is some of my favorite again just like aaron i for the uh for our 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 lists near the end i tried to i i limited myself to one episode uh from 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 each show but doctor who has some of my um it, it was a show that i grew up with and so yeah i don't really know what else to say. I love Doctor Who. Doctor Who is a very popular show. Yeah, yeah. so love it, love it, love it. Yeah, <laughs> um, and and I think I think many people would would have it as their favorite show of all time. Mm-hmm. I've never seen an episode at this point. I don't have that kind of time. So yeah, yeah. Um, or the patience, yeah. <laughs> especially with all the like movie tie-ins. Right. Like, I'm a completionist, so I really don't have the time. Um. Okay, so let's talk about some things that we're talking that we're watching now. Uh, where do we want to start? Um, this podcast is um, directly in between me finishing the um, series finale of Better Call Saul. If anybody's <gasps> been on that, which yeah, 
I think is in the conversation for one of the best achievements in television we've ever seen. Like I haven't finished it. So maybe they botched this last 50 minutes. I seriously doubt it. But um, so I can't, I can't say anything specific about the finale then. No, I I wouldn't, I wouldn't spoil it. I wouldn't let you either way. Yeah. (laughs) I'm I'm, I'm sure it's, it's, it's very fresh. Like it came out Monday or whatever the the finale. And um, I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable really what they did where I remember like I was young, probably 14 when they, when they announced it and I had just watched breaking bad, um, like maybe a little on the younger side for that. But like, I remember hearing them that, uh, talk about it and being originally pitched as like a 30 minute comedy, just about, about Saul and then evolving into what it has become is unbelievable in like Bob Odenkirk and Rhea Seahorn, all those people just made an absolute masterpiece. I'm really glad they didn't go that 30 minute comedy route because yeah, part mean, of what makes Better Call Saul great is that it's it, it's not trying to be Breaking Bad, but it's mm-hmm. taking what's great about Breaking Bad and, and oh, making yeah. it its own. Um, Absolutely. You can tell that it's in the same universe, but it is so fully distinct. Um, it's unbelievable. Yeah, I, I could brag about it all day. It's just amazing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to withhold my comments. Uh, I, I haven't seen Better Call Saul yet. I have nothing to say to it. I, it, it it's gotten enough praise at this point that I, I, I will get around to it at some point. It's just when. and All right. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rowan, as somebody that's finished the show, let's say mm-hmm. somebody's in my boat where they've seen all of Breaking Bad, but they haven't seen any Better Call Saul. Or let's say even better, somebody has not seen any either of the shows. Um, better Call Saul is a prequel. Which one should they watch first? Should they go in release order or chronological order? Breaking Bad. Yeah, so, for sure. So release order. Yeah. Um, without any spoilers, the last couple episodes of Better Call Saul go in and out of, of the timelines in the craziest, okay. like, unpredictable ways. And mm. so, yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, not, not even, like, a watch the first five seasons, then watch Breaking Bad, then watch the last season. No, like, no, no. Like, okay. just because, like, even so, there are a lot of Breaking Bad characters peppered throughout mm-hmm. all of Better Call Saul. And I feel like okay. the experience is enriched, having mm-hmm. seen Breaking Bad, knowing who these characters see, are. So when you first see them, the other you thing say, you That's, like, realize. keeping me from watching this is it's been ten years since I've seen Breaking Bad. Right. I mm-hmm. would need to rewatch the show. I would want to rewatch no. the show before yeah. watching Better Call Saul. Mm-hmm. So... I would at least like spark notes it. <laughs> right. Like I don't know if yeah, you have to rewatch it. Re- it the thing is I highlights. want to rewatch it because I notoriously don't really like Breaking Bad that much. Like you said, like wow. it, it solidifies it as great, and I'm just like, when has Breaking Bad been great? And I know, I know it's <laughs> not a popular opinion. I think oh, Breaking is, Bad was was. I good. thought we were getting hot takes and later. That, that's not your TV hot take. I was about. I've already to used it before the second <laughs> ep- the second wow. time we did this. I've already used it. Like right. I, I thought Breaking Bad was good. <laughs> okay. Not great. Definitely like, not. Definitely not as great as everybody thought it was. Saying Look, that community didn't deserve a mention and then make dropping that is a <laughs> is you're you're putting your feet on the coals there. Eh, I don't think I'll get in trouble over my community takes, especially when when you lump in together seasons five and six. So yeah, um, unfortunately, still you know. some great episodes. I'm telling you, Aaron, you're lucky. I limited myself to one episode, or I would have made you listen to me <laughs> brag about every single community episode. All honorable mentions, we would have gone through. <laughs> this it would have been a time. I'll, I'll yeah. give you actually. Um, I do have a community episode on my honorable mentions. I'm <gasps> Thank sure you. Can, I'm wow. sure you can figure it out. Wow, um, hypocrite! But, <laughs> you call yourself a podcast host. <laughs> Look, I, because I love one episode and really like a lot of other episodes. Mm-hmm. Like that's that's like I love all the paintball episodes that I've mm-hmm. seen. I never okay. saw the sixth season. Oh. But like it was a full on internal war deciding like, what episode I was going to put on my list. But they're not, 
they're not like the best episodes of TV of all time, but I, I think, think they are. I think <laughs> community a lot of them are. I think community legitimately has a contender for one of the best sitcom episodes of all time. So, mm-hmm. cool. um, which we'll get there. I'm excited. Um, yes, we will. So anyway, I just not to ruin the love fest for Better Call Saul. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean it's no. got enough praise. I really want to watch Better Breaking Bad again. I really want to mm-hmm. see what everybody loves about it. Um, I also like again. I watched it in 2013, which was like. Mm-hmm. Literally, like between seasons four and five, mm-hmm. I watched all of them. Uh, or what it last season was five, right? Yeah, yep. So, like, it was the middle of the hype train, like mm-hmm. almost like I started watching Game of Thrones, like between seasons four and five. So, like, <laughs> middle of the hype train before yeah. things really went off the rails, you know. So, uh, um, I don't think it went off the rail. This is like we're going off the rails in this conversation, but hey, I, don't, hey. I don't think Game of Thrones really went off the rails until season seven. But you know, that, yeah, that, yeah, that's yeah, right. <laughs> I, no, I agree. I agree yeah. with that. Um, we'll actually, get back, we'll back to Game of Thrones. I'll even argue with, with eight, my hot season later. eight. I think seven <laughs> is pretty okay. I, I, I um, also think seven's okay. I also think eight's okay, but I'm getting ahead of myself. <laughs> yeah, I think wow. there's episodes of eight that are okay. What what shows um, are we watching, boys? What shows are we watching? <laughs> Let's let's get into it. Uh, Stranger Things season four. I finally wrapped this up. I think last time we recorded, I was like three three episodes in, so I hadn't really gotten that far. Um, guys, I, I look. I haven't written down a hot take, so I guess we're just peppering in all the, all the way over here. <laughs> I really like what this season is doing. I think it's a really, really, really good season. Mm-hmm. I think it's overhyped. Uh, I mean, it got into the firm grasp of tiktok so it was pretty much unavoidable for it like, <laughs> no, but I, mean, I mean like do you think the general consensus is that season four is the best season of stranger things i do not think so no i, I don't think i'm so. gathering oh. that one is still on top okay for being a, the second and personally okay. i like three more than most people Interesting. um <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a big fan of th- the vibes are just completely in a different place but i think four is deserving of the love that it's getting i think and here's the thing i so i started episode the first episode of season four and i was already in a bad spot because genuinely i was mad when i heard that they were making each episode an hour and a half long i thought that that was just like it was it was too far i'm like you are so in your own head that you don't understand you don't value my time so i watched it and then the the there was some dungeons and dragons stuff where as somebody who plays dungeons and dragons it just didn't feel faithful to the experience to me i shut it off came back like a month later I think it's it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Once I stuck to it, um, and I and I understand. I think there is some hype to it. That that is it, that is it's definitely being lauded as a masterpiece. Where I think it has more flaws, but I think also some of the the story work that they're doing is unmatched in and throughout the rest of the show, for sure. Okay, that's look. I just I I got the impression I didn't see any of the episodes until like the whole season had come out. So like. Mm. Living on Twitter in that like month or whatever was like, yep, insane. So, were you? I would. Like, I would personally say season three is my favorite, and then it would go one, and then four, and then two. But I would put like all seasons one, three, and four all are in the loved it camp. Like like yep. I love it, hate it, it's like I think mm-hmm. it's just okay. They're all loved it. I just i I think this one is like I. I'm so happy to hear because I feel like season three. Like a lot of people have trashed on since it came out because I just don't think people remember it. Like I don't think it's one that people went back and watched and like, oh well, it wasn't memorable. Like the first one was like the freaking um, never-ending story theme was like mm-hmm. 
a huge thing at the time. And yeah, like yeah. the kids like starting to date and like mm-hmm. the bromance between Henderson and Steve was like mm-hmm. coming. And I think Robin's a great character, mm-hmm. kind of really underused and really cardboard mm-hmm. in season four because they didn't really know what to do with her. But yeah. Um, anyway, I, I think, I think three was my, is, is my favorite season at this moment. Um, Were you spoiled when, since you'd like hopped on it so late? No, I was so oh, spoiled. Okay. I'm, I was spoiled by a character. I knew that, everything. That was the only thing. Mm-hmm. Um, because I like I know that it's been out, and my rule is typically like a month before spoilers. But I think this is a big enough IP and with big enough spoilers. I really want to tiptoe. There is a mm-hmm. character that social media fell in love with that I was spoiled that that yeah, person sure. knew about died. that. I didn't know when. I didn't know how. Still hit me like a truck. Still. Yeah. And I think that, I mean, I was spoiled on quite a bit of it. The the main um, little, I, I don't even want to, the, the main little twist that they had fully caught me off guard. But aside from every single character death, the real culmination, <laughs> if you're if you're on TikTok at all, you like, I mean, it's just unfortunate that, I mean, I saw every single character death turned into some kind of like musical montage. It was, it was unavoidable. I, w- I was scrolling as fast as I could still. I've still got, got done in. I've got the story for the big twist of the season. Um, Cause I, I was sitting there, I was watching it and, and all of a sudden, like there's a revelation of a particular character um, or a particular person. Um, and they're, yeah, it's not really an alter ego. Um, there's a, yeah, there's a revelation. Mm-hmm. Y- you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, for sure. And my first thought, and I even tweeted this out, I was like, was that supposed to be a surprise mm-hmm. that this person is that person? Like, that these are the same people? Mm-hmm. And and I was like, because that's not surprising at all. Like, I yep. sniffed on that, like, immediately. Mm-hmm. And then there's a second revelation about yeah, that person. For I was sure. Like, oh, Just no, that's actually Absolutely clever. Brilliant. And actually, one of the Sif Pop writers reached out and be like, can you explain that tweet? I was like, okay, so when... Mm-hmm. And I had to explain, like, when they reveal that this person is number one, I was like, that's, like, I knew that for eight episodes. Like, But then when they, when they reveal that that is that, I was like, oh. Mm-hmm. It was, oh, that was cool. so well done. And, like, I think the biggest flaw with Stranger Things and why I think it's 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 a little overrated at times is because the story that we're looking at is really, really well done. And the characters that they use are used so well. But since they have so many characters at this point, a lot of characters are just left behind and do absolutely nothing for a full season. And, you know, there's just no development there. And, and they want these payoffs with certain I'm relationships entirely that aren't earned. With you. And I think it, that's why I like season three so much is because mm-hmm. it felt so balanced. But, like, there's no need for Hopper in the season at all or for winona Ryder's character and mm-hmm. look as much as i love him um what's his name the the, the guy murray, with beard. murray as oh, much murray. as i love murray he's not needed <laughs> like and i freaking hate mike like in this season he's such a whiny mm-hmm. whiny kid and yeah i know what they're trying to do with will but i didn't like watching it it was too much mm-hmm. screen time and yeah, I, I think I, that I is. A, I care about the main flaw. Is his name sure. Ar- Argyle? 
Argyle. Argyle. <laughs> I liked Argyle more than any of the other California crew. So like, <laughs> you know, that's saying something. Yeah, um, I think it's they're like what we're being shown is so incredible that sometimes you forget the same things that the writers are forgetting. And yeah. that is once you really start to think about it, you're like, well, dang, I want to know, like, what is this person doing? Like, they just vibed that whole season. And yeah, it's just it's a very it's it's a unique problem. Uh, and um, hopefully we'll get some some resolutions in the final season. But who knows? Ron, how long you've been, you've been pretty silent. What do you got to say? Um, so I love Stranger Things. Uh, I don't you know, I don't try to keep that a secret uh i it's i I wouldn't call it one of my favorite shows however when the second half of season four came out uh the last two episodes which were again i agree with you guys far too long uh i was in ireland with my family uh on a late graduation gift for 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 me and uh so the netflix shows release at 3 a.m eastern which just so happens to be 8 a.m in Ireland. And so my brother and I had the very bright idea to stay inside all all morning and watch Stranger Things before going out and doing stuff in the beautiful uh, country that we were in. Uh, and so what, uh, what we did was we got up uh, 7.45, opened it, and Netflix crashed. And we spent about 15 minutes trying to solve that. And then we watched it. We sat down and we watched all five hours of or four, five hours, however long it was in one sitting. And I don't regret anything because I loved watching it and I had a lot mm-hmm. of fun. And sure. but to be completely and totally honest, I just get so excited when there is a new season of a show that I even like even tangentially love. Like, you know, e- even if it's a you know low side of loved it, I still get ridiculously excited. However, that doesn't always mean that I'm going to hold on to it and and those feelings for the longest time. Like, I feel like the high of Stranger Things coming back lasted maybe a couple days for me because streaming culture these days, especially with binge watching it, like it, it it's all over just so fast. And then I, you know, I hold on to these feelings maybe a couple days and then I don't have those feelings again until the next time that there is something new related I don't know, Aaron. You look like you have you have something no, to say. <laughs> no, I'm just having the exact same experience right now. Um, are we good to move on? Sure. Yeah. Sure. Okay. Because I because I watched the first episode of Westworld today because I mm. specifically was like I've got to do it. I've got to do it because I've been talking about how I'm going to watch Westworld. And I watched the season one through re- three recap, and I'm like, I don't remember any of this <laughs> after season one. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And season four is a six-year time jump. Jeez. And season three had massive consequences to it. Mm-hmm. So I'm experiencing exactly what you're experiencing. experiencing. Yeah. Now, Westworld is still an HBO show. It still does weekly releases when it's on. But it waits two or three years. Like, <laughs> the last time it premiered was literally, like, there was one episode before everything went to lockdown. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. And then, and then, like, the rest of the season premiered, like, during lockdown. Like, that's how long ago that was. Think of how much stuff has happened, like in the world and in mm-hmm. like our lives and whatnot, mm-hmm. since lockdown started. Like graduated high school. <laughs> I can't. I can't remember like anything from the finale, and I get this recap. And season four is trying to do something so new that I'm like, it's hard mm-hmm. for me to feel attached. I'm liking what I'm seeing. I just don't know what I'm seeing, and I don't know where the season is going. 
Rowan, you watch Westworld, right? Yes. Uh, I okay. um, hum- Humble brag here. I got every single episode of this sh- of season four early. Um, and Ooh. so I, I, uh, I got to, got to soak it in and, and, you know, sit on it for a little bit, uh, before he- hearing all these social media reactions. Um, okay, I, so the only you, thing I remember the, the like disconnect, like, yes, absolutely. Okay. The only thing I remember from season three is what they explain and have flashbacks to in season four. Like, okay. I, I'm glad, like you said, you only watch one episode, right? Yeah. Okay. So, so there are moments where very specific things, like as Westworld is wont to do, very specific elements come back from previous seasons. Season four is good about giving you the necessary context because they realize that it's been a while. They realize okay. that you more likely than not have forgotten about that that that, so, that that context. There's just there's just a culture shock because the main character, who we've known as Dolores for three seasons, yeah, is no longer Dolores. Mm-hmm. And she's this entirely new person with this entirely new job. And she essentially makes her job is essentially, she makes the programs that you would use for like total recall. Yeah. Like that's, that's her job. She's a story designer for stuff like that. But like, mm-hmm. there's this really interesting subplot. And then freaking um, Aaron Paul is in this season. And I'm <laughs> yeah. like, Oh, I thought we were done with him. Like, and he, okay. and he, you haven't gotten to it yet. He has one of my favorite arcs of any character this season. So good. Just you wait, just you wait. Uh, episode no, four, uh, like, episode four is where everything changes. And okay. I want you to, I want you to message me when, when you get past <laughs> episode four, because I'm very curious about your reaction. It's one of those, like, I really love the, sh- like I said, I really liked mm-hmm. the episode. I just have no idea like what I'm watching at this point. Because it's, it, it is intentionally culture shock. Like, yeah. It is intentionally shock. And season three was the same way. But part of that was season two was so poorly received. They're like, we have to do something different. And they did. And season three was great. Not excellent, but season three was really good. Mm-hmm. And I'm excited to see season four. I just, the other thing too is, I remember when season two came out. And season one, which by the way, is the best season, sequel season of TV of all time. Um, Won't argue with that? <laughs> not counting miniseries um but best singular season of a tv show that's a whole it different argument been, probably should have been a miniseries um because that would have just been a perfect mm. um and season one was so popular because season or season two was so popular because season one was so good i was keeping up on a bunch of discourse and season two sucked, and I think everybody just gave up. Like, I watched season one, thought it was amazing, watched ten minutes of season two, and I'm like, this isn't for me anymore. I because know, right? I already was feeling the disconnect that you're talking about right now, where I was, I was a little far removed from the first season. I loved it, but I'd watched so much since that I'd just forgotten, and it seemed like it was getting a little heady. I was like, you know what? Why don't I just preserve it? in my head and just let yeah. because I didn't know at this point that the show was going to return to form where I was like, I was like, you know what? Let's just keep it season one. Ooh. I loved it. The, they don't return to form though. Like that's the thing. It's an entirely different show. It really feels mm-hmm. like season three really feels more like this is man. Each season is independently its own thing mm-hmm. and almost like an anthology. I mean, season three and four feel pretty connected. It, relatively connected right in the same way that one and two do where it's yeah it's not entirely but like at least you're in the same setting with similar characters like there's very few returning characters from season one and two into three i mean like you have dolores yeah. and mave and right hector i think and that's it on yeah. the man in black right right 
and then and then you know and like everything is you know who's in whose body and who is actually masquerading as who and are they a host and, are they a and human here's the thing i know <laughs> i know that apparently in season in episode like four or five there's supposed to be another person that is revealed to be a host and everybody's just like for four seasons you've hit you've kept this hidden like um I will not confirm nor deny. Uh, yeah, however, I know, it's just, I know social media reactions <laughs> yeah, like when it came out. Right. It was just like what? Like I don't know. I don't know the person. I don't know the identity. Yeah. Uh, I think but it's you just... will be surprised. Um, okay. But uh, I like season two, and I know like I'm not. That is not my hot take. However, I think the reason I like season two is because I watched it back to back with season one for the first mm. time. So it, mm, it definitely it, it felt like one experience to me rather than. One, two experiences with a couple years in between mm-hmm. um but yeah so um, yeah i don't know so i watched season one and then before season two came out i binged season one again mm-hmm. yeah and then before season three came out i binged season one and two with my wife leading up to three so and yeah. season two was better on the second watch for me yeah yeah, yeah. i don't know I, I i mean i think personally um four is my favorite season since one um, okay. and so I don't, I don't know if that's, you know, if that's going to end up being a hot take with the benefit of hindsight, but in the moment, I really, really love four. it goes r- some really interesting places. I'm not still not fully on board with all their decisions. And I do think that the show needs to reach an ending point sometime soon. Um, is, is there, so it says season finale. So I assume it's at least re- renewed for a season five. It hasn't been officially renewed yet, but it's going to get renewed totally yeah, yeah but like it almost it almost feels like man it almost feels like three could have been the finale but like what if you rowan if you were a betting person mm-hmm. would you bet money saying five is going to be the final season yes i would okay um it just, just feels that way kind of like it feels like the next right. season of barry will be the last yeah yeah i mean it feels like it's naturally moving towards an end especially like that'll have a completely different meaning when you see how season four ends it seems like it's deliberately okay. segueing into a natural okay. ending. I'm really excited. And you saying that season four is the best in season one is, I mean, it's, like, it's not a super high bar to set. I mean, I really <laughs> yeah. like season three, but yeah. like, yeah, but yeah, like it's, it takes what's good about seasons one and three and sort of combines them the best it can. I know that sounds like it would be an unholy beast. Um, okay. But, but it does, it does work quite well, at least for me. Well, I'm excited. I mean, I like the episode, the one episode I saw, I'm, I'm very confused. I'm very interested um, it's not something that I'm like super desiring to like binge immediately in the same way that it was, you know, Stranger Things. It doesn't have that factor, but Westworld's never really been that show. So, mm-hmm. all right, yeah. Whew, what else? <laughs> um, well, I'm I'm watching a million things. Uh, I guess I can mention uh, what we do in the shadows. Mm-hmm. Um, season yeah. four is on right now. Um, this is still, in my opinion, one of the funniest shows on TV right now. Uh, Mm -hmm. I Just all of the main cast are so funny. I was watching it with my family the other night, and we were just, like, all of us in stitches. My parents, my brother, me, my grandma, too, thought it was hilarious. Uh, It it appeals to all ages, even though it seems like it really shouldn't. Um, Well, I mean, you know, not not, not all all ages. Um, Mm. you, You know what I mean all age groups. Yeah. yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's, and I, I honestly think that this show doesn't work without the leads uh, and, and the writing. Um, I, th- yeah. I, I, I think those are two combinations that just make it, or ra- rather that is a combination that just makes it um, just so, so clever on, on a scale that 
I haven't really seen before in a show that I keep up with week to week. I mean, I see it in in in, in, in some other stuff, but in a show that I'm watching for the first time along with everyone else. Um, yeah, I don't know. I am really loving this season so far. We're so all in agreement put, on that one. I put this. Um, I put this on my list of things that I'm watching because after recording last episode, I mentioned to my wife like, "Oh," and actually after recording um, the other podcast that we did, Rowan, mm-hmm. um, I was reminded like, "Oh, season four is coming out soon." And me and my wife never finished season three; like it just got away from us. Yeah. So we started season three again, and we only watched one episode because then we watched something else. I don't remember, mm-hmm. um, but we, you know, life life is busy for us of right course. now, so. It's, I'm I'm not to season four yet, you know. We, we restarted season three, and I love it. It's just one of those like, for whatever reason, we 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 aren't watching it, but we love it when we watch it. Like that's the thing. We mm-hmm. love thinking about it. We're like, it's a great show, and then we right. just forget mm-hmm. about it. So it's just I don't a know matter of doing it. I get it. Yeah. So I'm man, but I'm I'm thinking like as soon as we like hang up, I'm gonna <laughs> go watch more. <laughs> And, yep. then, and then watch Westworld when she goes to bed. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. But like, that's the thing, too. Is like, I don't want to start Westworld at 10 p.m. Like, it's not <laughs> a show to watch at 10 p.m. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, you got to you gotta think about Westworld in, in, in ways that you don't have to think about a lot of other uh, shows. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, so the show that I watch at 10 p.m. is Letterkenny. That's a good, <laughs> that's a good transition. Yeah. Um, I, was, I was sitting there, and I was literally debating on starting, Letter, uh, starting um, Westworld one night. And because I, I was just like, I want to, I want to do a TV show again. But I was like, I don't have the thinking capacity for Westworld. So I was like, all right, so I want to find something that I can watch that will make me laugh. Something that maybe I've been wanting to watch for a while. And I narrowed it down to two things. It was Letterkenny, and um, I was trying to, I'm trying to think of what the other one was. Um, shoot, this is could this be is anything. It could be anything, right? <laughs> no, I'm trying to think. It was Letterkenny or, um, gosh, it's a strange name for a show. <sighs> I you know, actually, I think it was Letterkenny or the rehearsal. Ah, okay. And I decided to go with Letterkenny. Although the next day, I watched the first episode of the rehearsal, so we'll get there in a second. <laughs> um, because I wanted more of a comedy, and I had no idea what to expect from the rehearsal. But since I wanted more of a comedy, I'm glad I went with Letterkenny. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm loving the show so much so that I've watched half of the half of all the episodes that are out. Now that's not really saying a lot. You can really rip five, I'm five seasons in, but there's seven episodes a season, and they're mm-hmm. twenty minutes a piece. Like, yeah, this is the most bingeable show I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Like, they wow. drop two seasons a year. I know, right? It's crazy. It, 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 do you watch it too? Mm-hmm. This is amazing. Rowan, do you watch it? I do not watch Letterkenny. <laughs> okay, this is this is fun. Uh, have you seen all of it, Jack? Um, I think there was one special episode because, you know, they do some like holiday episodes where they add it to the season. I'm, I like, think they one had a, episode a behind. International Women's Day. Yeah, I, I don't think I've seen that one yet. But aside from that, I'm caught up. Cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just it's just one of those. I started it like a week ago and I can't stop watching it. And mm-hmm. like I'll show up to work like one day and I'm like, hey, I've watched a whole season. But it's like mm-hmm. a whole season takes you two hours to watch. These are like, short seasons, I was about to say. Oh yeah, I know. Right? No, you can watch the whole show feasible. Like it would not terrify me if you watched the whole show in like a day. Wow. Yeah, it would be a lot. At but, least I mean, a weekend. Like <laughs> yeah, it, honestly, the whole show it. might be less runtime than Stranger Things season four. <laughs> I, it would not shock me. And like the thing is, it's just so 
like digestible. There are episodes yeah. in the show that I don't love that, yeah. but by the time you realize you don't like it, it's literally over. And yeah. then you hit an episode that you will be crying, laughing that has some of like the best snappiest, most clever, funny dialogue that you've heard on TV ever easily where, I mean, it's, it's just poetry, how funny it is. Um, it, it's really unmatched. And there are like, like I said, there are some episodes you don't love. There are some seasons that you might not like as, as much, mm-hmm. but it's still, it's just done, you know, and, and you, you'll have laughs regardless. So it's 100% worthwhile if you're looking for something funny. It's, it's not background watching though. No, like, you would not, you, it would sound like a different language for sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, cause like mm-hmm. the point of it is like, it's, it's quippy, it's snappy dialogue. Like the mm-hmm. characters deliberately don't do very much. Mm-hmm. They mostly sit around and talk and then get in a fight once every season. So like yep. getting a big scrum, but it's just fun. And they like, you can tell like they kind of just plop you into the middle of this, like already like existing culture and group. And you just kind of get into the be in the middle of it. And so you, you're, you're picking up on these inside jokes, like mm-hmm. a few episodes in you're like, Oh, like it took me like three episodes to realize that every single time somebody asks Wayne, how he's doing is always not so bad. Mm-hmm. Uh, except for in the finale where he says he's feeling deadly. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but like, yeah. it, it took me a while to pick up on that or um, like, uh, like there's certain characters that get more screen time. Like McMurray seems to get more screen time the farther mm-hmm. along the show gets, which, is yep. good because I like McMurray now, but he's really annoying this first couple seasons. Mm-hmm. Kind of the point, though. Yep, for um, sure. Or, like, it's also really interesting because I feel like a lot of the running jokes, like, they've changed throughout the years. Like, there's a lot mm-hmm. more that they added. Like, like the whole, like, to be fair starts in, like, season two or three. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, where they all, like, that sounds so eloquent, and then they have mm-hmm. to, like, harmonize it. To be fair. But, mm-hmm. um, but, the, but, like, there was a running gag in season one that I really liked. Um, one of them, okay, I, I, it's going to sound wrong me saying I like this running gag because of the gag, but it's always, um, the, the, the core girl of this group, which is Wayne's sister mm-hmm. would just frequently be around the house in not a lot of clothes. And he would say like, you know, could you put more clothes on? And she'd say like, not likely and he'd be like, well, that's unfortunate. And then just mm-hmm. move on with the conversation. And like, that's just a really funny joke to mm-hmm. me. Um, yep. and then. Uh, and then the other one would so be well. the other one would be Squirrely Dan when mm-hmm. he would always just say, you know, you're always thinking about these things, Katie. And that's what I appreciate about you. And the response is always, oh, that's what you appreciate about me. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of those running jokes have stopped. Like, I, I don't remember the last time I've heard that, like three seasons. So. Yeah. Anyway. And I, and I, yeah, I guess it, it's so insanely quotable that at a point you have to stop or else it will become old. Like mm. when, when they're ripping through the season so fast. It's just like you you just got to have a new joke because they do. They throughout an entire season, they will say like the same thing, like so many times and you'll crack up each time. But, um, you know, they, they have a, a good tendency. And what I think keeps it so fresh is their ability to inject new running gags throughout a whole season um, okay. that, that will just match perfectly. And it, it just never stops being quotable. Like there are always moments in jokes or, or little like roasts that they, they say to each other where they're making fun of people or that that just will stick in your mind and just will have you cracking up. It's just the writing well, is at, immaculate. Or I'm at this like once I'm at this like season arc where there's been like one or two seasons back to back where they do a lot of alliteration jokes. Mm-hmm. Um, like I don't I don't think that's going to continue. Like sure it's fun, but like it just feels like one of those things. Like we do this for a little bit and then we move on. The like, alliteration jokes. I'm pretty sure at a certain point, like 
it uh, they appear like they're the opening to each season i think the, okay, i think they, it was the opening yeah. for season four uh, the seasons will like so far they have done that like it opens with them doing a long alliterative um thing across all the characters and it's really fun well that's fun mm. or like um like especially like riley and jonesy like they constantly mm. are in a new environment so like mm. that helps keep the show fresh you know they're for not sure. they start off as hockey players and then they're mm-hmm. like you know, th- then they get to the senior hockey level and then they coach the girls team, which is mm-hmm. the season that I'm on. And like, I got to yep. imagine at some point they do Pee Wee. Like, um, I don't know. Not maybe yet, that's just my next game changer. Fingers crossed. Cause, fingers crossed. Because, uh, because, because Riley is in, is the coach of the Mighty Ducks and, mm. and game changer. So. Anyway, yeah. It's just like, talk- you're right. <laughs> I mean, the, the, the cap for this would be sometimes you just don't want to watch a Breaking Bad or The Wire yeah. or Sopranos. You just want something light and funny. Oh, more times than you want to watch those like long, dense shows, you will want to watch something funny. And this is just perfect for that slot, for sure. And, and it's, what we do in the shadows. And it's it's also like, this isn't a stupid show either. This isn't mm-hmm. like a, no. you know, whenever you're like, oh, I'm tired of whatever Christopher Nolan's doing next. Let me go watch Fast and Furious, whatever. Like, no, this isn't that. Like, this is... No. It's always sunny in Philadelphia would be the closest comparison. Yeah, I can see that. It, I mean, yeah. the... Uh, yeah essentially the opposite like i think the it is so smart that is what makes it the dialogue is so expertly written which is shocking for when when it's read or when you see it or when you see like how it transforms with the screen you wouldn't think that it's as clever as it is but yeah high recommend yeah. high recommend good well i'm happy somebody was able to talk with letter with me for a bit mm-hmm. everybody's been saying you just got to start it i know you'll love it mm-hmm. and i do yep for sure all right rowan <laughs> well, uh, well, since I've heard your voice, I um, will use this uh, as a as a connecting tool uh, or a segue, if you will, uh, to talk about the fact that I just started watching It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia and I'm hey! making my way through the series. Uh, I was bullied by my best friend's sister uh, to start watching and I watched a whole season. I watched season one in one day uh, and I love it. I love it. I love it so much. Uh, Have I you know- only seen season one? Uh, I'm midway through season two uh, because I just okay. started it a couple days ago. Um, no, that's fine. It's just yeah. like season one is really good, but yeah. like until they really introduce Danny DeVito, like that—that's when the show really finds yeah. itself. Which I, I think know. is midway through season two. It's uh, beginning. Uh, the very first, oh. uh, very first, <laughs> the cold open of season two is when Danny DeVito uh, pops out, and then uh, they hit Charlie with their car uh, while while trying to back away from him. Uh, I don't know what it is about watching terrible people do terrible things. But it just it, it makes me feel better about myself. And it's because it's Philly, you know. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Everyone in Philly is like that. Um, I can say that. I have two friends that go to school in Philly for the, for the academic year. Um, but uh, yeah, uh, it's it's just it's hilarious. You can tell that at least season one. I, I I can't speak for later seasons, but at least season one was just a bunch of friends just hanging out and, and having fun and throwing ideas around. Okay, good, good. Because that was the thing that I love the most about the first season. And I'm really glad that they're, that they're sticking with that. Have you seen all of it, Aaron? Um, not like the most recent season or two, mm-hmm. because they, they just kind of do this thing at this point where like, they're just perpetually renewed by FX for right. like however long <laughs> they want. They're like, whenever you feel like making more episodes, do it. But like, Rob McLaney has gotten um, like really popular doing like Mythic Quest mm-hmm. um, and doing some more writing, some other stuff. And then Glenn Howerton like went away and did AP Pile for a little bit, but then like he still did like a season or two of It's Always Sunny. But like they're just kind of like we're only doing it with and, like of course Charlie Day has exploded. Um, so they kind of it's kind of like one of those kind of like Sherlock. They're like whenever we can get Martin Freeman and and Benedict Cumberbatch together, we're gonna make another season. 
Like it's kind of the same way. Like whenever, whenever everybody's ready to make another season, we'll do it. And until then, like we're fine. Like, so, um, so it's, it's like every two or three years we'll get like a 10 episode season. So I haven't seen the last one or two seasons they've put out, but I think it's fair to say, and Jack, you can back me up on this or not. It's always sunny might be the most consistent comedy that's been on show on TV. Like it's the same show in season two that it is in season 13. Wow. I've only seen the first season. Um, and it's exactly, honestly, hot take, just not a fan. And I under, not because it's not well made, but like you guys said, it's just watching bad people do bad things. And I didn't hit a point where I could invest myself in the characters at all, where I think it's, here's the thing, here's the thing it, and you're going to this Aaron, you might not like what I'm going to say here. No, no. This is exactly why I don't like Breaking Bad. Okay, yeah, but your another, reasoning for not liking it's always another sunny comparison. Is my reason. Yeah, I, and I totally understand that. Um, another comparison for me is Community, where those are all terrible people with some glints of humanity and hope and love for each other that really like pulls me in. I and maybe it gets to there in later seasons. I did not see any hope for me liking any of those people aside. And mm. here's the thing. I have probably watched and laughed at more random clips of It's Always Sunny on like YouTube and TikTok than almost any other show. Like there will be some like random outtake that'll pop up where Glenn Howerton is just like screaming and losing his mind and going off and like riffing. It's hilarious. It's it's fully genius and beautifully done. It's just in a long form thing. It's not what I'm looking for in a TV show. So uh, to answer your question, um, do we see glimmers of hope in these people? Never. Yeah. Uh, and see, that's just not they, what I want. <laughs> they are. They are. Um, they are always terrible people. There's mm-hmm. not even like an episode where somebody is like, you know, I did better. Like there's a character that that is essentially somebody that interacts with the gang on a semi-regular basis. And in the first season, he's a freshly, you know, indoctrinated Catholic priest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and he's like I'm going to leave the priesthood so I can marry D because D leads him on and then once he leaves the priesthood do that she's like I'm not interested in you anymore <laughs> and that's not one of those things you can just go back into <laughs> so then the rest of his life or the rest of the time he's on the show is just he's constantly worse and worse and worse and worse and worse like to the point where like he's homeless missing a bunch of teeth like constantly like taking hard drugs and like offering his body for hard drug. Like it, it's, and, and, and the gang just laughs at him. Like it's, mm. they are, they are bad people that will make the worst possible decisions at any given moment. And that's kind of why I like it because like, surely he's not going to, he did it. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's, it's very consistent in, in mm-hmm. the kind of show it is. Like the office is a very different show in season one than it is I- even before Michael Scott leaves. Like it's a very mm-hmm. different show. Parks and Rec is a very different show. It kind of evolves and there's nothing wrong with evolution, but it's always sunny finds its groove and just sticks to it and just keeps going. And then they have, and then like, they're kind of like not really overarching themes. So they're just like, let's make an episode. Two of my favorite episodes are one of them is a simulated one take of Charlie doing a bunch of bar work, um, (laughs) which is great. And then one of them is, um, they go to this gas station and it gets holed up and you get to see everybody's fantasies of what they do. And then I'm going to spoil it now because by the time you get there, and hopefully you forget like the very last segment is just a recreation of up and it's hilarious. Uh, so oh, I can't wait. I can't it's wait. so good. Like it's just the, it's just that kind of show. Like there's, 
Jack, you would if you didn't like the first couple episodes, you wouldn't like the rest of it. Yeah, but. and I think it is. It's honestly really interesting because thinking about it, like we do, just at the end of the day, pick and choose because it is hard to root. I mean, to be fair, when I'm watching Breaking Bad, I do not root for Walter really. I think there's more tangential people for me around him, kind of, but everybody's still doing terrible things. So at the end of the day, that that being the full reason I don't like it is kind of hard. It's just, it just did not click with me and it wasn't the so, vibe. So it's interesting. So I think this is the difference between it with breaking bad. I couldn't find any character to root for okay. um, the entire show. Like interesting. I should root for the, the DEA brother-in-law agent Dean, Hank, 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 Dean, Dean is, the, yeah. Dean Dean is the actor. <laughs> Good memory. <laughs> so like I should have rooted for him, but he's an asshat like the whole show. Um, and I'm like, I'm kind of happy that he's getting away with making drugs behind your back. And then like, even like his crippled son is an asshole by the end of the show. Like, um, and, and Jesse becomes a decent person, but yep. like not likable, like not See, somebody I like really want. I want, I want for him to get out of the life, but like, I, I don't really want the best things for him. I, I don't know. Anyway, but yeah. it's always sunny. Like the the intention behind the show is look at all these terrible people and what would happen if these terrible people did the worst possible thing. And it kind of like curb your enthusiasm in the same way. Like it's, it it's because of the intent of the show. It's let's watch bad people do bad things. And like, we're not, they're not glorifying it. Um, you are supposed to be like, I love these guys, but I hate them. I definitely wouldn't want to be around them. Like, but I love watching them. Like it's, it's, you know, it's the intent of the show. And I think Breaking Bad has intent with like you're not supposed to root for Walt. Yeah, and that, that's what I was gonna say. I was the, at I the end of the, it's it's thematically Breaking Bad what what sells okay. it for me. Like I'm watching these people do these bad things and make these decisions, and then seeing the repercussions and how that sure. adds to what the show means at the end of the day and what's trying to say. So, sure. but I think it's a good point. I mean, yeah, there are not many likable people on that show, uh, especially Walter, who he is terrible, truly, truly terrible. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's more uh, people to root for in Better Call Saul, though, which is interesting. But I agree. Someone <laughs> can't get into it, though. Yep. Um, Rowan, you'll have to keep us updated on your It's Always Sunny watch. Of course, um, I definitely will. Uh, you know, I'm starting uh, my second year of college in a couple weeks, so who knows how how long I can keep up my my momentum of watching a season. But, uh, but it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Is like top three shows to just get some guys together, or just put it out on the dorm and like. At least when I was in the in college, like the kind of place I was, I'd have my door open and watching things, and people would just come in and sit down with me. And like, mm. if that's any kind of your environment, yeah. or at least if you have friends that just know your door's unlocked, like <laughs> it's the perfect kind of show for somebody to just walk in and sit down and watch with you. Yeah, sound it. Uh, sound college like... is the perfect place for it's always sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> well, I can't wait. Uh, last year, um, w- my roommate and I, we had a third roommate who did not like us watching stuff in the room. But this year, that roommate is gone, and so we can watch whatever we want, whenever we want. Hallelujah. <laughs> yeah. Nice. Um, okay, I only have one more thing to talk about. That's the, the rehearsal. Are you guys all watching that? I haven't started it. It no, is on my queue, um, and I've heard a decent amount about it. I know Robert's really, like, really big on it, um, and I listened to. Um, I think Dicer recommended it on the on the podcast proper uh, a a little bit ago. Um, but yeah, it's it's definitely something that I want to get to, and I've heard a lot about it. It sounds very interesting to me. I just don't want to commit to it right now. 
Okay, um, I'll, I'll keep it brief, and I'll try to not give away anything of what the show actually is to you. Um, it's one of those shows I started, and I was like, oh, Nathan Felder. Like, I think he's really funny. Um, I'll watch the show, and especially everybody's talking about it. And I think it's important to get it off the bat that, that this is not a comedy show. Um, just because it has a very funny person starring in it. Like, it has funny moments, but, like... This is a really interesting sociological film or series, and whew, um, Nathan Felder is either a comedic genius or a sociopath. He's probably both, um, and I I'm fascinated by the rehearsal. I've only seen the pilot because again, it's one of those shows I quickly realized like I can't wa- I don't want to watch it 10 p.m. Um, you know, and then go to bed. It's because it wound up being a really interesting, thought-provoking piece that I loved every second of. And then it had this emotionally devastating climax that was edited in the perfect way. Um, and so it's one of those that I'm like, I'm so interested to see. I don't know what people have talked about. Like, I know people are loving it, but I love that the internet is keeping it pretty vague for the rest of the season. Because I don't know what to expect for the next couple episodes. Um like, I don't know, is it just more of the same, but just a different situation? Or does the show evolve? I'm so fascinated to find out. Um, it's got to be one of my daytime shows. But, um, yeah, that's my... That's all I'll say about the rehearsal. Yeah. It's... it's, Gosh. Um, it, it seems like it's a show that's just generally hard to describe without saying... Like, without giving specific examples. It's... Yeah, it's it's a sociological thought experiment led by a comedian mm. yeah wow um comedic sociopath um yeah i'm like i said i'm very fascinated to watch more of it it's just like it, it's one of those shows you kind of have to prepare for you know you can't just throw on like you can letter kenny it's one of those shows you, like almost same thing of like westworld you're gonna be like all right i'm watching westworld now mm-hmm. so yeah. yeah cool um all right well that's all for me any other things we want to hit on um i guess i'll mention only murders in the building right now are either of you watching slash have seen the previous season it's been on my queue for forever yeah it's one that i've uh tried to start one or two times and just something's come up but Mm -hmm. definitely seems like it's in my alley so when i say that this is one of the most addicting streaming shows i've ever seen i mean that uh i this is definitely one to watch when the whole season's dropped because watching it week to week is fun but you know, I guess this is the purpose of dropping stuff week to week. It just makes you so anxious and so excited for what comes next. Because when I say that every episode has like like a, a really, really genius cliffhanger, I just said it. It is like the cliffhanger at the end of the previous episode, which came out yesterday as we're re- recording. I watched it this morning. Um kind of blew my mind even though if i had a more like mystery oriented like a a brain that is more oriented to figuring out mysteries i probably could have seen it coming but at the same time it just makes me so excited about what could possibly come next and this is also a show that humanizes its villains in some really really fun ways even 
it's also far more serialized than you might expect. Uh, a lot of plot lines from season one are are still going strong in season two, even though the the overall mystery in season one was was wrapped up pretty firmly. Um, yeah, definitely a strong recommend for Only Murders uh, in the building. I think uh, next week is the last episode of of season two, so some some prime television viewing right there. Nice. Yeah, it's been a mic you for forever. Yeah. Um, you want to give some thoughts on Sandman too? Cause I know that's like big and trending and Jack wrote the article on it. Yeah. yeah that's what I, that's yeah. the last thing I was going to say. Mm-hmm. Check it out. It's really good. Um, I, when I got assigned the review, I was just curious cause I, I knew it was considered one of the, like just an incredibly beloved graphic novel. Um, so I went it's been I, in production hell forever, right? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Long, it came out in 2002 long, and they like, pretty much like yeah, immediately like, said they wanted to do something with it. Two, and, two decades. I was about mm-hmm. to say, yeah. Um, yeah. So I read it literally days before the show came out and then I binged the show. One of the most faithful series I have ever seen. The bulk of the show is word for word adapted from the graphic novel. And it just, and what they do add works so well there's like a handful of things that they change that make it just so much better there's specific an episode that almost made it to to my top five list um they added just like a couple sentences of that added such deep context to one of the characters that they were exploring um it's just really well done i'm just a totally excellent uh adaptation that is worth watching one so you would recommend i read the graphic novel before watching the show but i probably don't want to read the graphic novel after watching the show uh, I honestly think either would be a good way to get into the series. Like you do not need to watch it. You do not need to read it to watch it. You don't need to watch it to read it either way. Like they both are so faithful to each other that you get the same thing either way. Um, I don't know. I, I think honestly, some of the pacing in the show is done a little better than the book. Um, but you know, okay then. Uh, yeah, it's just it's it's worthwhile. Casting is great. Everything. Can you guys uh, answer the question? Um, is this intended to have a season two? It, I mean, it has to. Like it, it, it definitely fully sets it up. One of the things where, um, a lot of the machinations, a lot of the the overall story of the show, are being controlled by a larger puppet master that is only introduced towards the end. So clearly they have things that they want to work towards. And um, it's, is, it's, is that true for the graphic novel as well? Like, is there continuations? Oh yeah. yeah the graphic okay. novel is 75 issues long. And when wow. you hit the end, there are moments, bits that come back at the very end that like the, the first arc that they cover is probably like an eight out of 10, really, really solid. The ending, it's one of those things where the ending makes everything before it, the just rock solid almost perfect. so westworld yeah so yeah. <laughs> westworld season one yeah yeah. I, I, yeah if they they would fully be failing a lot of people i just, um, if I they just didn't, didn't know it. if this was one of those things where it's like where there's plenty of more material to go on or if this is one of those like it's going to become a mega sensation and they're going to make more but like you know kind of like game of thrones the last two seasons this yeah. is they're this just is one directionless luckily it's it's helmed by neil gaiman the the writer this is one that I hope, and I don't know if this is true or if it's not, they should have approached it the same way that they are doing the Rings of Power, where they should have planned out everything they wanted for the entirety of the show, pitched it to Netflix, because this has been something people have been clamoring for for so long. It's almost guaranteed. It's so successful right now. Um, people are just going to, it's exactly what people want. So they, they should have planned it out. There's 
easily five, six seasons of content here if they spaced it out correctly. Okay. Mm -hmm. Rowan, anything to add? Um, I haven't finished the season yet. Uh, I've really loved what I've seen so far. It's, heavily stylized uh and mm-hmm. i it, it, that did take a, a little getting used to i should have expected it from neil gaiman i also haven't read the graphic novel series so i have that disadvantage so i'm i'm approaching everything very freshly or, or i guess i should say with 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 fresh eyes um but yeah i'm, I'm very very excited to see what's happening next and jack what yeah. you said about what happens near the end of the season only makes me more intrigued so yeah I'm very and, excited and to see what that turns out like points uh i don't know how far you are in the show but um, for example, Patton Oswalt's character, the crow, not introduced nearly as soon as he is in the graphic novel. The Corinthian, Boyd Holbrook, not introduced until this, the first arc is kind of complete. So, and I think it works so well for what they're doing. Um, I think he he created a, this piece of art that he liked a lot and then had 20 years to reflect on what he could have done better. And he had the the medium to do it. So I'm really happy with it. All right, so I don't have like any history with Neil Gaiman. Um, I uh, yeah, I never saw Coraline or Oof. Beowulf or um, American Gods or Lucifer. I did see Good Omens, mm. although I started it and turned it off after about three episodes. Mm. I realized it's not a show for me, so. I know Neil Gaiman is one of the names that like lots of people like yeah. have such such deep respect for. I just, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, I like I, obviously I'm gonna check out Sandman. I just, I just, I hope I have a different experience with Sandman than I did. Yeah, it's, uh, it's definitely, it's definitely different. It has obviously, it's you can tell that it's the same style, but it's not going for the same tone. If tone with Good Omens, which is a very like, that's a very distinct tone. If that was your problem. You're getting. I don't know what my problem scene. was with it. I was just watching it, and I'm like, I'm not entertained enough. Like, I, I love the concept, mm-hmm. and I like a lot of what's going on. I just, I don't care to watch it. Like, normally, like when when the bar appears, start episode two. I should be like, yeah, let's go. And mm-hmm. I was like, eh. yeah, yeah. It's it's a whole different thing. So I don't think you should discount it just because because I also uh, I I was more apathetic about it. Like I didn't. I wasn't sure where I stood, but I also was not clicking that next episode. So I gave up on good omens as well, but Coraline. Okay. So, Mm -hmm. well, um, I'll be, I'll be on Westworld and letter Kenny and the rehearsal and what we do in the shadows for a while. Mm -hmm. Uh, whenever, whenever I get around to that, I'll ground some other stuff. Um, additions to the queue. Um, she Hulk is not out yet. Um, at least when we're recording this, uh, this will launch probably tomorrow, which will be the premiere of she Hulk. Um, of course, this this Sunday's House of the Dragon. Um, I added Sandman to my queue, so I will get around to it at some point. And of course, Rings of Power, whenever that comes out. That's what two weeks. Uh, yeah, September right? first is when the first episode drops. First two episodes. Okay. Yeah. Ooh, okay. So yeah, plenty of stuff coming on my queue. Plenty of stuff to check out. Uh, for me, um, I'm going to try to keep up on a week to week basis with She Hulk and House of Dragon. Just because if not, then I'll just it'll get added to a queue and I'll never get around to it. Yeah. Like Moon Knight, you know. <laughs> Um. So anyway, uh, that's just the additions to my queue, guys. What's next for you? What 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 are the like next things you'll be checking out? Um. So I want to get to that Apple TV uh miniseries Blackbird, starring Taron mm-hmm. Egerton and Paul Walter Hauser. I've heard very good things about that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I need to catch up on Reservation Dogs. Uh, I've heard that's fantastic. Um. Yep. 
I mentioned the rehearsal is one I want to get to. Abbott Elementary is one that Foster recommended to me way back when that started. And I know season two is coming out soon and it's getting added to HBO Max next week. Uh, so um, and I know it's on Hulu, but HBO Max, I've, I'm trying to focus most of my streaming there just to take advantage of it. Uh, just in case. Um, just in case they're going to cut it. Exactly. Who knows? Who knows? Uh, I want to get to Yellow Jackets uh, as well. Mm-hmm. That's another one that I've heard some very good things there about. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that is that is my cue for now. And and She-Hulk and House of the Dragon and all the all the big franchise yeah. stuff that's coming out too. Right, right, right. Oh, and Andor. Andor, oh, of course. How how can you how can you miss Andor? Yeah, for sure. Uh all right, Jack. What you got? What's next for you? Uh for me, I am I'm behind on what we do in the shadows, so that's probably top of my list right now that I've um finished. I well I, once we're done here, I'm finishing Better Call Saul. <laughs> then uh what we do in the shadows. Also, I am, I don't know, We this is one that's always been, or been a big name for the past two years that we didn't really talk about. I've been catching up on Ted Lasso, because finally, yeah, yeah. That. Very, I mean, yeah, it's just good, <laughs> heartwarming, great story, everything about it's really, really good. So I've just been, whenever I have time, throwing that one on. Um, yeah, and then everything you guys mentioned, She-Hulk kind of thing. So got my fingers cool. crossed for that. All right, time for your hot takes. Let's hear them. I'm Boy. nervous about mine. I don't know. There is a diehard fan base that disagrees with what I'm about to say, and I don't know if you guys are members of it, so I'm a little nervous. Let's go. Me first? Yeah, let's go. I, you I, can't I, just tease that look, and then I, not say it. I want to preface this by saying I like this show quite a bit. Season one, great. Season two, I mean, season, season one, amazing. Season two, great. Season three is, is downward spiral. I think The Boys has been treading water for about a season and a half now. And I don't know where you guys stand on it. It just, we're exploring the same thing and they're really relying on the shock factor too. Like there's a different, you know, scene that's going to blow everybody's mind every now and then. Literally. Story wise, I just don't think they're, I think we've come to the same conclusion for the past three finales. um, And I just need them to do something new to keep me engaged. Like there is some good story work. I think Homelander's a great character. I think Butcher is a great character. Um, but they're just, they're losing me. Like I, I, you're getting the same thing every episode and they have a formula that's working cause everybody loves it. It's up there with stranger things right now in terms of like love and, and, and adoration. But I don't know. It's I, this has to be the last season. The next season has to be the last season. Cause I don't understand what I talked about. Doing. I talked about this a couple months ago with somebody. Um, I don't think that's a hot take. Um, Okay, cool. Uh, and, and it feels like, especially too, when the boys that initially came out, it was so fresh. But since then, we've gotten like Invincible and Jupiter's mm-hmm. ascending and all that. Like, so it's just like it's exactly. not really an original view anymore. Um, I would say the the thing that we said is the show needs to move on from Homelander, otherwise it will just be the same thing. Mm-hmm. And I haven't seen any season three, so we said that kind of as season three was starting. Mm-hmm. Um, it really, you know, the show needs to move on from Homelander, which Homelander is himself a really interesting, complex. Mm-hmm. great character but he's he's also kind of again just at the same mm-hmm. point all the time so yep yeah so that that's i don't I, I think a lot of people are feeling that way yeah and i guess it depends on the sphere that you're occupying because definitely like the the my feed and a lot of the people i know are loving it talking about how it's like i mean i know i've mentioned it a handful of times i don't spend an insane amount of time but like film tiktok cannot get enough of the boys and just where like like you just said the whole evil superman kind of 
when it when the show originally came out, that was kind of new. It like had been done a little bit, but it was still fresh enough. And during the kind of superhero saturation time, it really hit. Um, but now it's doing the same thing. Spoilers a little bit, Aaron, and not huge spoilers. The Homelander, this whole season's still about Homelander. He is aside from no, maybe, I know that, aside, I know that season three is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I'm that, just saying exactly. like, like prior it really to you, feels it really feels like the show needs to. It does have a more new... than ever, and they might even be doubling down on it, um, which can, and it just sucks because I he is so interesting, but when he's your main villain, I don't want to see you guys or, realizing he's or, too strong over and over again. Or, or they need to do something like they did with the wire, where like go explore something else, then come back to him in a year. True. Or so yeah, I, yeah, no, that's actually a good idea, and or, or like um, I was Daredevil wondering if Soldier Boy well. was going to be that this year. Like, I was wondering if it was going to be, like, a yeah. Homelander kind of takes the back seat and Soldier Boy takes front and center. But we'll see. I, I haven't yeah. seen season three, and so I, I will. It's like, on my, like, get to around soon. Yeah. But like I said, always going to be higher. Like I said, it's good. It, it's a, just a good show. It's very well made. The, the actors are, are doing everything they can. And um, it's, yeah, I, I, I just think, like, Homelander just almost he nailed a certain political problem that has been just on the, on the rise recently so well. And they're really going for that political commentary kind of angle that he is, he is the core of the show. He is what this show is trying to say personified. So I don't know how they can get rid of him, but for me, it's I mean, just same old thing. It's, al- it's also wording worth noting that this is an Amazon, Amazon original show, but it's based off of a Frank Miller comic run. So like, there is plenty of source material to go from. Like, the show probably is going to follow that as much as it has been. So, like, as long yeah. as they can control it. So, like, I don't know if Homelander is the all. I don't know. I, mean, yeah, I don't know. I just it's worth it's worth noting. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, that I know. I know that they are basing this is based off existing material. Mm-hmm. So. Yep. Rome, what you got? Um, I, uh, are, are we doing my hot take or can I, yeah, what's your hot my take? thoughts on the boys? I mean, if you want to give your thoughts on the boys, that's fine, I will but... just quickly say, I adore the boys. I completely see where you are coming from, Jack. Um, mm-hmm. I, uh, not to say that my fandom is blind, uh, but this is a show that I'm going to stick to. Uh, I, I'm just going to stick to my guns. Uh, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it is a show that I get, n- I'm not going to say pleasure or enjoyment from because that seems wrong and sick somehow. <laughs> um, but I do love seeing what's going to happen week to week. I love hanging out with these mm-hmm. characters for a while, even if they're killing people and being just super brutal. It's mm-hmm. it is a fun time, especially because I have um, a friend that like our, our 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 thing is like we watch the boys together, mm-hmm. and it's it's just a very special week to week thing. Um, but yeah, I I still love the boys, but I completely understand uh your guys's mm. um uh perspective uh my tv hot take i actually don't know if i've shared it anywhere before so please stop me if i have uh i kind of alluded to it earlier but game of thrones season eight i think the game of thrones season eight the story is really really good i think that the story turns and the story movements and the character motivations everything is great however I'm not defending the season entirely. I do think that it would have been fantastic if it had been two or three seasons worth of material. 
and I know this is I think that's most of people's. Yeah, I, I know this isn't like... exactly a, a hot take, but I know a lot of people are really quick to just crap on season eight and just say it's terrible, it's awful, everything is bad. David Benioff and 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 DB Weiss are are terrible writers. I don't think they are. I I, I just think that they rushed a little bit. Uh, not a little bit. They rushed a lot, uh, and and they they basically made uh, the worst possible decision that they could have. Um, and if they had done, you know, if they had bided their time and 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 actually given it uh, its due, I genuinely think that they th- that we would be looking back on Game of Thrones as something fantastic all the way through, uh, with maybe a blip in season seven. Um, but you know, rather than uh, you know, a lot of people, what a lot of people consider to be one of the worst finales of all time, which makes me sad uh, because I do think that that there's a lot of really good stuff there that gets overshadowed by the hate. I. I think it's a hot take because you're still saying if this same thing happened the same way in two or three seasons instead of one, it would be good. Um, I still fundamentally disagree with a lot of the choices the show makes. Yeah. I don't think season eight is terrible, mm-hmm. but I certainly don't think it's good. Yeah, I don't know. I I, I am just... That is for sure a hot take. Yes, uh, I I'm a fan of a lot of uh, things that happen, especially in the last episode. I just and and uh, the last two episodes rather. I think everything happens way too fast, and not to say that I agree with everything that happens. There are, there is one two character deaths at the end of uh, season eight, episode five that I think are uh, totally just done very very poorly um but uh generally i think that there was a lot of good stuff there that that would be looked back on a lot better had they given it the time that it deserved all right uh guys i came up with a hot take <laughs> um guys i am over the moon excited about daredevil born again over the moon excited. is that a hot take i, I no, i'm no. also extremely no 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 oh, here's the oh, hot okay. take <laughs> i would be more excited if disney announced a revival of jessica jones Okay, moving on. <laughs> Did you? No, I mean, I, I think season one of Jessica Jones is about the best Netflix Marvel content we got. Like, I think it is masterfully done. I think Daredevil is amazing as well. And I, I think, uh, yeah, I think I'm over the moon excited for it. I really hope. I don't know. I mean, I've seen some some rumors about, about Jessica Jones returning that I, I'm not going to spoil in case you guys haven't seen the same things that I've I seen. I have seen um, exactly the same rumors and I think yeah, personally I think it would be hope. super cool. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I would love to see more Jessica Jones. I think perfectly cast character. I think season three is underrated. Season two was fine, but season three I thought a lot of people gave up after the, the weaker season and missed some pretty good TV. So I just I remember really liking the show. I mean obviously mm-hmm. neither season two or three were as good as season one, but I'm just mm-hmm. like that character is much more original. That character is much more interesting. Uh, not that Daredevil is not interesting. Uh, I love Daredevil. Uh, mm-hmm. I really love those three seasons, especially I think each season got progressively better. Um, but that might be a hotter take. Oh, I think <laughs> season three was for sure the best season. Um, I just I would be much more excited to see another season of Jessica Jones than I would Daredevil, which again I am over the moon excited about. So anyway. Well, let's get to it. Let's get to the B-plot, our top five episodes of TV ever. This was suggested by Foster. Uh, okay, we're going to do this BEC style. So you're going to give your number five. If somebody has that particular episode higher, you trump it. Um, and then we'll talk about it when somebody gets it for the highest. Um, I don't think we'll have much overlap. I do think we'll have at least one overlap. Um, <laughs> I'm sure we'll have so, one overlap, Aaron. <laughs> Me and I you. know. <laughs> um, so I think I think we will have at least one overlap. One overlap, again, that might have to trump. So... Uh, we will see, and then um, 
that's we'll we'll do this relatively quickly. Um, but for the most part, mm-hmm. there's that. So um, we'll go in this order. Uh, let's go Rowan, me, then Jack. Go. Um, we'll do great. that order. So you will give your number five, and then if nobody, if you have it higher, call it out. Um, just say just say I have a higher say Trump something like that. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, if if not, then proceed to talk about why it's your ex favorite episode of TV at all time. When we're done with them all, I have some honorable, I have 10 honorable mentions. I need to. I have five. So yeah, I know. I just kept on thinking, okay, I gotta do that. I gotta do that. I gotta do that. that." Anyway. um, Okay. So Rowan, you're number five. My number five, uh, given my favorite show, this should not be surprising is uh, Dr. Who season three, episode 10. The episode is called blink. Um, and no, it is no the uh, it is the debut of one of the series best villains that is the weeping angels uh, beings that are uh, that are I think the phrase is time locked or something they can only move when you're not looking at them and that includes blinking if you blink they can move wicked fast and one touch from them will send you back in time and they feed off the energy that you uh, that you would have lived had you stayed in your own time. Um, so this episode is absolutely fantastic, not only because it was the uh, the big uh, the, the first big project uh, of a young Carrie Mulligan. Uh, she takes uh, center stage here. Uh, it is an episode that doesn't really have the titular doctor in it uh, very much um, because of an incident that uh, not too coincidentally involved a weeping angel and him getting sent back in time uh, to a time when he didn't have his uh, his TARDIS, which is his time machine. Um, and uh, yeah, so this episode is uh, genuinely scary. Uh, it, it, it's just it's just so tense. Um, and I just really, really loved um, love Carrie Mulligan uh, giving a great performance. She was 18 when this episode came out um, and she was just absolutely she, she just knocked it out of the park. Uh, and I'm really glad that she has had uh, quite a career after this. Um, yeah, yeah, she's a good person. Yeah, so that's uh, that is Blink from Doctor Who. Okay, my number five. Uh, this is what I was mentioning. I'm kicking out the one that I had written down because I really feel like this one's better. Um, so the one I'll, I'll get to the one I kicked out later. Um, the one that I'm putting in here to say that's my fifth favorite episode of TV of all time is The Haunting of Hill House. Two Storms. Um, Interesting. Honestly, forgot that. Um, for, forgot about how incredible the show is until so what i did is i went to imdb and i went to t- my my ratings and then i sorted tv episodes and then highest first because sometimes when i'm watching tv i rate things really highly if i'm just like oh that was incredible i go in and just rate one thing mm-hmm. um haunting hill house i'm not a horror guy but gosh that show is incredible and there's two episodes that are back to back that are incredible there's the bent neck lady which is episode five and there's two storms which is episode six um two storms is two timelines uh, one of the kids as kids and one of the kids as adults um but it's a simulated one take that flashes back between the two and there's a storm happening both nights so there's prepping for a funeral in the present day and then there's um the kids experiencing ghosts in the background uh or experiencing ghosts in in the storm as as a child so um it's masterfully shot it's it's wonderful storytelling. It is terrifying. Um, it's one of those shows that like isn't like jump scares terrifying, but it's like they're at, they're prepping for this funeral in the present day, and the camera does this like three sixty motion, and by the time it does, does a full three sixty, like the person in the casket is standing up, like, and then it does another three sixty, and it's just like back to normal. It's like it's so clever. It's so 
creative. Um, I adore that episode. I think that one's absolutely worth being mentioned as one of the best of all time. Nice. Jack. Um, this, the fifth spot is just so like, I literally, as you were talking, was going back between five different shows, but I'm just going, you know, favorite, uh, one show that I, one episode that I've rewatched a lot of, of one of my favorite shows of all time is Cry Wilderness, Mystery Science Theater 3000, The Return. Nice. Oh, I didn't even think of MST. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's almost cheating because they're movies too, but it's, no, it, but is, it, it is a TV show. And this one, so I obviously a little bit, a little bit younger, you know, I did not know what Mystery Science Theater was until it appeared until they dropped a season on Netflix and I just picked it up, watched the first episode. I was like, is this like an actual, are they making fun of an actual movie? Did the research, liked the concept, watched Cry Wilderness and cried laughing the whole time. You know, the, the writing is, is just absolutely on just at, at their best, you know, the whole campy Bigfoot movie that they're doing is just prime material for, for the show. It, it worked just so well um, and got me to fall in love with the, the entire franchise for sure. That's great. That's awesome. What'd you got Rowan? Oh boy. Uh, I'm going Simpsons for my number four spot. Mm. Um, it is uh, season six, episode six. I, I flip flopped a lot on the Simpsons episodes and I'm going to shout out one in my honorable mentions. Uh, but my number four is season six, episode six. That is Treehouse of horror five. Mm. Um, is that the one with the shining it is. And nightmare? On Elm Street? Yes. Uh, that's the best I don't think horror. it's, I don't think nightmare on Elm street is in that one. So, so this is, um, so this is the shining or as, as they call it, the shinning, the shinning. Uh, <laughs> you want to get sued? <laughs> you want to get sued? Uh, there is uh, time and punishment, which is, homer trying to fix uh gets his hand stuck in a toaster and messes oh, the butterfly yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and then there's nightmare cafeteria uh where um where skinner realizes that oh, tension's yes. getting crowded and so they begin eating the children and serving them up as cafeteria lunches uh this is the show at its just peak parody and probably the cleverest writing i think that the show has had um it's it is so so funny i like if if there is a simpsons episode that i want to revisit this is the one like if i'm in the mood for simpsons this is the first one that i go for um it is just it, it's it's so funny um and uh yeah i just every time i honestly some simpsons parodies i watched before i watched the actual film and i think this was one of them i do think i watched this one before i watched the shining i definitely did. and so when i when i watch the shining now i just whenever they say the word shining my mind registers it as shinning and that is like that is that is irreparable damage here uh that that, <laughs> that, that mr Groening and mr brooks have done to me um but uh, yeah so so the simpsons uh just the best trios of horror and one of the best episode uh, the best episode of the show in my opinion uh therefore on my list as one of the best of all time i never i didn't see it first but um family guy did a parody of the shawshank redemption and <laughs> i know what uh, episode you're talking about <laughs> and and so like I, I saw the Shawshank Redemption first, but I can't see that Andy Dufresne plays a record and not hear Hollow Black Girl anymore. <laughs> it just doesn't happen anymore. Okay, um, my number four is going to get trumped. I have uh, the season two episode five, Barry, Ronnie, Lily. Trump. Yes. Yep. Yes. I can say honorable it. mentions. Yes. <laughs> yep. I knew it was coming. It's okay. What you uh, got, Jack? Um, let me pull back up my list here. Um, this one could be trumped. I'm not sure where you guys uh, stand. Uh, I mean, I think this is one of the best seasons of TV of all time. Um, Watchmen, 
Um, specifically, a, a god walks into a bar. I think it's this. Oh, oh I knew yeah. it. I knew you were trumping there. I cool. knew it. Cool. I'm glad to hear it. Glad to hear it. Can't wait to talk yeah, about man. it. <laughs> hey, hey, okay. At least there is some crossover. I'm glad to see that, you know, despite our disagreements, there is some, there is some sharing of taste here. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I did not see that coming. I thought it struck gold. Okay. I, I, I would have put it on my list, um, but Aaron, I knew you would have it. I wanted to let you have it. Um, Watchmen is, is my favorite miniseries and probably my favorite season uh, of, of television including miniseries yeah. of very few things are perfect yeah. but yeah. that is one of them for yeah. sure yep um, all right Rowan, what's your number okay three? Uh, my number three is is ronnie lily uh barry season three episode yeah. five uh aaron would you like to go first in the in, uh, in it's just if it was just made as a short it would be perfect yep. um and it and it should win the oscar for best original short yeah um everything about it is just perfect it's it's the perfect episode to show somebody that's never seen barry it won't tell them what Barry is. <laughs> like, it's not reminiscent of the show as a whole, yeah. but it kind of is. Um, so it's not like if you show it to somebody, you'd be like, expect this for the rest of the time. Like, that's not what you're getting, but they will have a great time. It's mm-hmm. it's it's masterclass. Bill Hader is acting and directing his ass off. Yeah, yep. this is the moment when Bill Hader became a a uh, a director. You know, I know he I know I know he cre- like co-created Barry. I know he did some stuff before this. However, I feel like this is when he really established him uh, himself as, you know, as um, a unique individual director rather than uh, rather than just doing stuff that we've seen before. And he did that a lot. Uh, He did a lot of this, too, in the season three finale. Um, But but this episode, season two, episode five is, as you mentioned, Aaron, just a world all on its own. Like, honestly. Yeah, if you took this out from the show and showed it to someone who who had never seen Barry before, they would be really confused, but they would like what they see because yes. it is it's I don't love throwing around the word genius and but 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 this episode is a genius feat of television because it 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 takes everything, you know, even when you're watching the show, uh like like sequentially I I rewatched seasons 1 and 2 before 3. This show like this episode it, it, it seems like it comes out of nowhere every time because it interrupts, I guess it interrupts the flow of the season, but at the same time, I don't care because it's so good and it's so fun and it starts off kind of conventionally, but then as you get into it, it, it just wins you over almost instantly with how like off the rails it goes from mm-hmm. the little girl jumping on top of the car. I just, I was just, so happy the second time seeing this because uh, I think I think that was my rewatch was the second time that I had seen the show and my god is the directing and performances mm-hmm. everything about this episode is 10 out of 10 a plus yeah so fantastic it's, it's like not it will be remembered for being unbelievably funny and just like ridiculously absurd mm-hmm. but like also thematically the fact that he still works in Barry's story with like him passing out in the parking lot or, or whatever and having like those flashback moments um it's it's unbelievable it's truly like it it just has no reason of being that good with when you said out with the premise of him just literally spending an entire episode <laughs> essentially trying to fight like a nine-year-old or whatever <laughs> however it just yeah. it's absurd but it works so perfectly for the show oh yes yeah. it does yeah definitely worth it <laughs> Well, for my number three, this is where I have Watchmen. A God walks into a bar. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Jack, you can start us off since since you had it. It's just exactly what like Watchmen needed in order to to achieve the premise. Like this all powerful being 
And it finally explores what exactly that means, specifically what they do with time. It's one of the just most like perfect love stories that uses an exaggerated world to really show what love means. It, I mean, it's just, it's insanely good. The acting is amazing. So well shot, so perfectly ties in everything else that happens in the season. Uh, yeah, I'm, the show is perfect. I was could not pick a, an episode, but this one is just so distinct. Um, from the rest of this the series that that it earns that spot for sure yeah i think you could pick pretty much any episode here but this one's the standout because of specifically the use of time mm-hmm. i mean what an interesting feature dr manhattan is one of the most complex characters mm-hmm. especially if you want to try to show his perspective mm-hmm. um like in comic book history so what an interesting thing to to try to tell a story from his perspective and it just works and it's so satisfying because like so far in the series, we hadn't seen Dr. Manhattan. And there's mm-hmm. the, like, where is Dr. Manhattan? What happened to him? Nobody knows. He's on Mars, Aaron. Um, He's on Mars. Like, well, exactly. Nobody knows, right, <laughs> except for him. And then the um, the the Silk Spectre, which there was a really funny joke where because she sends um, she sends a, dil- uh, a dildo, right, named uh, named Excalibur. <laughs> the X. Or she gets sent in a dildo gets because ex Cal Abar, yeah. um, which is the name he goes by now. So like really, cle- like really clever stuff. Um, if you guys haven't listened to it, um, there's a HBO did a did a podcast where it's David Lindelof and a, and you in a host, and he, and they just talk about the show. And it's just to hear Damon talk about that show is is brilliant. Um, and specifically like getting into that episode, lots of revelations. Um, it's it was Craig Craig um, Craig Mason, I think, was the host. Um, oh, interesting. So, so it's him, and it, it's fascinating, and it just brought me so much more respect for the show. But yeah, no, no episode of TV deserves more respect. Um, yeah, honestly, maybe no no episode of TV deserves more respect, but Lindelof for sure deserves all the respect. Yeah, and credit he is for, an incredibly talented guy for sure, and how- yeah, especially like it seemed to become when people were like, oh, Lindelof kind of sucks, right? He's lost or whatever. So, like, and Prometheus. And I was like, no, right. I like Prometheus. Um, so anyway, just like really solidified him as like one of the greatest minds of all time. And how is this for a hot take? I think that this show did Manhattan better than the original graphic novel. And I love the graphic novel. I love the graphic novel. And of course, the show would not exist without the graphic novel. However, like you guys were mentioning, this show like really it shows his perspective in a way that I don't think the graphic novel could because there was so much going on. But this episode is uh, like this episode of the show is essentially fully devoted to him and showing his perspective and his worldview in a way that I think the graphic novel gets us on the track. But this episode is the one that, that, that at least for me, fully arrived at the station to use a, I don't know, a sure. train metaphor or something um, <laughs> and just really um, helped, like, like made me fully understand to the best that I will be able to understand what it's like to be Dr. Manhattan. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I uh, second every second and third everything that you guys said. Uh, I adore this show. I adore this episode, um, and uh, I remember watching the show live and wondering when we were going to see Doctor Manhattan, and being just so ridiculously excited when I saw the promo for this episode. The only footage was of him picking up the mask uh, outside on the street, and then it said next week, and I and my mind was just blown. Um, and yeah, uh, again, just fully agree. So Rowan, let's. Oh no! All right, Jack, you're yeah, number yeah. three then. Uh, yeah, my number three is another one that um, it's a show 
probably could have 10 or 15 different episodes being thrown up here. But at the end of the day, the one that had the most lasting impact on me is the view from halfway down from BoJack Horseman. Um, not sure if you guys have picked it up yet. It's the, and something I noticed just weirdly, I think across the board, if you're looking for the best episode of a TV show, don't look for the season finale. Look for the second to last episode. Mm-hmm. Those like always like hit really, really hard. And um, yeah, it, it's, it's, it's just specifically with BoJack Horseman. The, the second to last episode is always some of their, their best work. And this one, um, I'm not going to spoil anything, but I don't know if a episode of TV has ever hit me harder emotionally than this did. Um, it might have been because I was working the front desk of my my residence hall on campus at three in the morning, <laughs> watching it on release night. Um, but it, it just does some incredibly powerful things with with storytelling and with the character. And you would think after exploring this one character for six seasons, there would not be more to say but you you just keep learning about him and his family and all of how that comes together um in such an impactful way it it's funny but also the most tragic thing i've ever seen so highly recommend the whole show it's 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 pretty high on my list getting to because i i've been getting recommend after recommend from mm. people's whose opinion i very much respect so yeah this is one of those and and i always hate saying it Season one is fully different than the rest of the show. And it even even the, the director, he was like, we could not have made the show. I guess the creator, he's like, we could not have made the show that I wanted to without getting my foot in the door with colorful animal comedy kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Right. So they only really get to explore the deeper stuff that he wanted to as time moves on. So well worth it. Time. Wow. Cool. Okay. Uh, Rowan, you're number two. My number two is probably the most cliche one on my list. Hopefully Jack agrees with me. And that is Breaking Bad season five, episode 14, entitled Ozymandias. Um, For sure. Yeah, this is uh, uh, directed by Ryan Johnson uh, of, of course, Last Jedi and Looper fame. Uh, Oh, and Knives Out, of course. Uh, And uh, this is where everything comes crashing down in every sense of the word. Um, We get major character deaths. uh, We get just massive revelations uh we get some some character moments uh, some long overdue character moments um that when i watched breaking bad for the first time i i I knew i knew it was coming and i was still absolutely floored um it also gave us the the meme of of walter white getting the the massive zoom in and then falling on the ground uh which always makes me laugh whenever i see it anywhere um but uh yeah uh this this episode is just absolutely fantastic uh and uh i i do think that it is you know it, it is widely agreed to be one of the best episodes of the show it's 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 near yeah, most i think pe- it's like one of the highest rated ones on imdb yeah yeah it's, it's near the top of most lists that i see so this is definitely my most cliche entry mm-hmm. on this list but i but it's near the top of all these lists yeah. for a reason um I so fully uh, agree. yeah yeah the two ryan johnson ones are always at the top yeah the and fly. yeah and the thing is the like like i mentioned earlier obviously a show about terrible people that you shouldn't like the 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 themes end up being explored by the consequences of the actions that episode is consequences the episode yeah of everything that's been building up to it that is even though it's not the finale that is where a lot of stuff pays off and it's so emotional it's just so well done nice uh okay uh my number two you know i gotta talk about scrubs so (laughs) of course i'm going with an episode called my lunch um, I debated really strongly between three Scrubs episodes. Uh, my screw up is probably like an easy answer, 
Uh, that's a really powerful episode. And my finale, I think Scrubs is the best series finale of all time. Um, I just, to me, like, I think my lunch holds up better on a rewatch than my screw up. Like, it's a little bit like my screw up, it, it, it depends a lot on like this twist coming that you don't see coming unless you know it's coming. And so you're just kind of like, oh, let's wait for the twist. Mm. Um, and and my finale is so emotional and is so powerful because it's this capstone of this beautiful eight seasons. Um, but I think my lunch is just one that you could turn on and you can understand what's going on and you don't need the context for it to impact you. I think it's just a brilliant episode. It has long-lasting consequences afterwards um, and has knowledge that it could be useful beforehand but isn't necessary um i think it's just an incredible singular episode of tv i yeah i I adore most of scrubs it was really hard for me to pick one but for Mm -hmm. the given reasons i picked my lunch nice very good uh scrubs is another one that i want to get to eventually but Mm -hmm. (laughs) again massive time commitment i've seen like a season and it's so good yeah so good just fell behind other things I did admit yeah. to, to getting into It's Always Sunny, which has 16 seasons, so I guess I can't really talk. <laughs> yeah, but It's Always Sunny has like either 10 or 13 right. episodes per season. Yeah. Scrubs is, uh, I think, six seasons of 24 episodes, <laughs> and then one season of three, and then one season of 24, and then wow. don't watch season nine. Um, <laughs> wait a couple of months, and then watch season okay. nine. Okay. Yeah. Good to know. Good to know. Yeah. Uh, Jack, what's your number two of all time? Uh, we've talked about it quite a bit. This is another one, I think... Um, that it, it rivals Ozymandias in terms of this universe. The best episode of Better Call Saul, in my opinion, is Chicanery. Um, and I'm sure if, if you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, it is just a pure masterpiece. I think a lot of what makes Better Call Saul so special is these schemes. And, and I think the show as a whole is about manipulation and going too far and using relationships in a way. And this is the peak of that, where one of Saul's like ultimate ultimates i guess at that point he's still jimmy um his ultimate scheme where he's manipulating his brother um to to get ahead to preserve himself um culminates in one just an absolute unbelievable acting performance from michael mckean mm-hmm. um a, just a, a world-class courtroom scene where those are just so hard to get right and get accurately um i mean it, it's just revelations are delivered right when they're supposed to and, you know, you, you feel for everybody involved and you, you understand right at the moment where the mistakes are being made, but why they're being made. Um, I'm trying to talk about it without spoiling stuff yeah. because, <laughs> I mean, this one just needs to be experienced. It is it is unbelievable storytelling. Um, absolutely. Absolutely love it. So, yeah, Th- this episode is wild. Uh, mm-hmm. I remember I, I, I binged all of Better Call Saul and Breaking Bad over uh, over at the very beginning of, of quarantine. And I remember <laughs> just being absolutely stunned by this mm-hmm. one. And especially Jack, as you mentioned, Michael McKean is so Dude. incredible. And uh, yeah, I, I, I look forward to a rewatch of better call Saul mm-hmm. uh, because I, I, I have a feeling that there's going to be a lot that I'm going to catch, especially with his performance next time around. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Such a, yeah. one of like, a character that doesn't exist in the Breaking Bad universe, like he just is not in Breaking Bad or whatever, mm-hmm. but so like rich, so mm-hmm. creative and different than anything you've ever seen. And like 
frustrating but super sympathetic um it, yeah you just gotta you gotta see it to believe it it's so so good nice yeah uh okay that just leads us to our number ones wow. then yeah here we are we've, here we've we are, finally indeed. arrived and we've only had two trunks <laughs> so interesting um all of these five are pretty much like pretty close to the same level just because choosing your favorite tv episode of all time is just so so difficult um even harder than i think choosing your favorite movie all time of of all time because there's so many episodes of so many great shows and i know we all have our favorites that are up there my favorite episode my favorite tv episode of all time is uh one that i find myself going back to probably more often than i should be given the length um and i think a lot of it has to do with the music, and I will explain. My favorite TV episode of all time is Game of Thrones, Season 6, Episode 10, The Winds of Winter. Now, this is... Uh, uh, season 6 is my favorite episode of Game of Thrones. Um, and uh, this episode, uh, the the finale, of course, begins with... Um, so, a lot happens in each season of, of Game of Thrones, but not a ton you know because there are 10 hour long episodes of each season and a lot of stuff happens over the course of those 10 episodes i don't think as much happens in like half a season than what happens in the first 15 20 minutes of this season finale of this episode because of course without giving away very specific details um there is a sequence backed by the my, my single uh, favorite piece of um, instrumental score of all time by series composer Ramin Jawadi. Um, a plan is enacted that just knocks down uh, a domino, which of course knocks down another domino, which knocks down a miles like a, a mile of dominoes that just ends. You would think that this would be the way to end a season with with all of these bombshells in a row. This is how they start off the last episode of the season. And you think, where can they possibly go from here? And then even though you you can have an idea of where this episode is going, of where it ends, based on what happens in, in, in the beginning, it's just so still, at least for me, just so satisfying. What happens at the end, which which, of course, leads to uh, the, the major con one of the. I guess suppose major conflicts of the last two seasons, uh, which say about that what you will, but I think the setup is absolutely masterful. Um, and uh, so, yeah, so that is uh, season six, episode 10, the finale, uh, the winds of winter. Um, I love this episode. I love the season. I love the show, but this episode specifically is one that I keep going back to if only for the first 15, 20 minutes. Um, Cause that is, is, is my favorite segment in all of television history. And I had to reflect that here. Sure. Yeah. That's fair. Yeah. Okay, um, here we go. My favorite episode of TV of all time. We are keeping a theme with you, Rowan. <laughs> um, because I, it is also composed by Ramin Jawadi. Oh. Uh, it's the season one finale of Westworld, the bicameral mind. Nice. Um, I think this is remarkable television um, on multiple levels. I could have picked four different episodes from season one. And still would have called it my favorite of all time um, because it's just so dang good. But there's there's revelations that happen in this episode of of people who you've known to love. And then you find out that they are hosts. Um, there is there's a scene where Tessa Thompson 
is like finds a clone of herself, and then the clone of herself kills real Tessa Thompson, um, and like inhabits her body and all that. There's a scene where um, uh, th- there's like a really interesting scene with uh, Robert Ford and uh, and a young person. There's there's the reveal. Actually, I think it was revealed a little earlier. Um, or is it, no, the reveal is in the finale that. Um, not only is I'm by the way I'm spoiling Westworld for you. That's I don't care. It's been out for a while. Uh, 2016, I think. So, um, so there's a reveal that Bernard is not just a host, but he's a host based off of Arnold, and that's revealed there. Um, and so, like, he is essentially meant to be Arnold, um, who's a big person, big name that you have a face you don't see in most of season one for obvious reasons. Um, there's, there's the whole ending scene, uh, or ending sequence, I guess, which is where Dolores shoots Ford in front of all the party guests. Um, by, by the way, here, here's the, I'm spoiling all this now. It's really not going to like affect no. your, how much you love season one. Yeah. Like, uh, um, if, if anything, it might make you more excited and there's just so many moving pieces, but there's the biggest thing is there's the revelation. This one might actually ruin your spirits a little bit. So I guess have to hit that 30 second skate real quick. Um, but there's the, there's the scene that reveals that you've been watching two timelines the entire season where you have young William and you have old William. It's with the hat. Black. I love it. I love it with the hat. And it's oh, a perfect it's so transition cool. <laughs> because it's, it's young William drops the hat and he picks it up and then old William puts it on. And it's like, it's the perfect way. A lesser show would have gone would have done flashbacks to show or filled in the gaps like like taken time out of the episode to spoon feed you you've been watching two timelines the whole time as opposed to just a subtle and then all of a sudden everything clicks and everything makes sense and you're just like whoa um it's just this episode absolutely floored me tons of revelations excitement it set up the future of the show so brilliantly only for season two to let everybody down. Um, and it also is just one of those shows that the credits start rolling. And I just like, I couldn't move mm-hmm. like to pick up my remote. And so just the credits roll. And then I find a post credit scene. I was like, Oh, <laughs> all right. I guess I couldn't move. Like, it's just <laughs> the best episode of TV yeah. of all time. for me. I mean, this is a 90 minute episode that feels maybe a f- like a third of the length because everything happens <laughs> And it's just, it's so engaging on a level that I have not seen since, honestly. Yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah. All right, Jack, what episode of Community are you picking? <laughs> uh, not the one you would expect, uh, actually. I, I have a, a – within the Community community, I have a bit of a hot take here. I think the best episode of Community is – it's called uh, Paradigms of Human Memory. It is a beloved one, but not necess- – I think most people would uh, do the chaos – um, remedial chaos theory. Uh, paradigms of human memory nice. is, <laughs> yeah, um, is what uh, is essentially making fun of the clip show idea where shows will, in an episode, take moments and mainly uh, a sitcom, sitcom trope, take mm-hmm. episodes from earlier episodes and recontextualize it um, and kind of do like almost a, a sum- summation of the, the seasons or whatever. This is a clip show episode where all of the clips have never happened. You've never seen them before. They are filmed in all these different sets. If you listen to the cast talk about the making of the episode, it is just truly hilarious because the whole thing with Community was how under-budgeted it was. They they always were going way over the amount of money that they were supposed to. 
And this specific episode, they were just changing costumes, running across the lot um, to film in a just completely different environment. It's it's creative. It has a beautiful story um, that that culminates in a way that makes fun of it, the show itself, but also has something to to say about um, about the, just the general messages. It's just so dang funny. You know, it's it's a comfort episode, unlike any comfort episode for me. I can watch it and it will cheer me up. Um, just, I th- fully beloved i think you've made me want to rewatch this episode after we end this call because i i I just i i just looked it up and i saw just a couple of the screenshots and i was like oh my god i remember dying at this episode the the whole and and minor spoilers the whole bit at the end where um jeff is doing his 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 characteristic speech where he's trying to bring the whole thing (laughs) home and it, it's cut into different scenes or whatever. And he it cuts to the part where Pierce is about to get shot by the mafia. <laughs> and he says, we're not or it's not the mafia that's shooting us. It's each other or something along those lines. It's just so incredibly hilarious to me. Um, yeah, it'll it'll put a smile on your face, guaranteed. There are obviously other episodes that other people might pick. But I think that is emblematic of what the whole show wanted to be. So, okay, mm-hmm. very nice. Yeah, you, man, you're making me want to watch Community. <laughs> I'm telling you, man, it's good. And I mean, right, I'll watch. I'll start Community when you start Scrubs again. How about that? Sounds good. I mean, I have a lot to watch. <laughs> and what I will say, a lot of people hate on five and six. It's not five and six that are bad. It's four. Four is the bad season. The gasoline, and even that has yeah. has some winners. But <laughs> so yes, the gasoline exactly. Yeah. Even they make fun of it themselves. <laughs> um, yeah. So it's time for honorable mentions. I think. Yeah, um, so kind of what we established early on with honorable mentions would be we'd very briefly mention them. We don't really get to talk very much about them. Otherwise, we'd be here until significantly later. Um, Let's go in reverse order. Jack. Um, Am I doing all of them or just one? Just all of them. Okay. And then if somebody says it, then just cross it off your list. Cool. Uh, You guys said Ronnie Lilly. Um, I wanted to mention Atlanta. There are a couple episodes. Teddy Perkins is good, but also Barbershop, my personal favorite. Over the Garden Wall, another show that is just so beloved and and just perfect to me i did babes in the woods it's episode eight trippy craziness uh psych don't know if you guys watch watch psych but last night gus the episode where they kind of make fun of hangover <laughs> so so good and then ozymandias which was which was covered that's what i got nice. you don't have a single one i listed okay rowan i'm gonna destroy your list i i i don't think i actually would but, um okay so the one that i initially had in episode five was this is us super bowl sunday it's it's the one where jack dies um just kidding it's I, not a spoiler. I don't have any any connection at all um i so the one i had listed was remedial chaos theory from community actually yeah, yeah i think that that's just brilliant um like that gif of seeing troy walk in with pizzas and everything's oh, yeah. on fire is just, is just one of my favorite gifts ever made absolutely um so uh, also, uh, let's see. Let's get this out of the way. Uh, the The series finale of Chernobyl. Um, any of the episodes mm-hmm. of Chernobyl would have worked, yeah. but I think the finale um, was incredible. Um, I think there's plenty of episodes to choose from Rick and Morty. I went with Interdimensional Cable number one mm-hmm. because I think when it hits that, like Beth and Jerry actually truly love each other at the end of the episode, I think it's just so heartwarming. I could have gone with three or four different episodes, but that's the one I picked because it's just unexpected emotions um oh okay sons of anarchy season six finale uh it's called the mother's work um most gripping hour of television in my high school uh, <laughs> my high school life just man sons of anarchy is a show that is not talked about anywhere near as much as it should be it's just one of those it was on and then like 
People people don't like, oh, I never watched that. I should watch it. You should watch it. Um, the season one finale of Luther. Um, yeah, Jack knows what's up. Um, this last two episodes of Luther season one are the best filmmaking you'll ever see from the BBC, including Sherlock. Take it. Um, Brooklyn Nine-Nine, The Box. This is the Sterling K. Brown guest. Literally, episode. that's what I was I was thinking. I'm like, Bottle I forgot episode. something. That's I the one it. I yeah, should have good. <laughs> yep. Um, and um, I, I have I have one Parks and Rec episode. It's probably not the one you're thinking. I went with the Johnny Karate Super Awesome Musical Explosion Show. <laughs> I know the easy answer is Leslie and Ron, but my answer is Johnny Karate because, again, an unexpected emotional beat at the end that makes total sense. Um, love it. Uh, and then the last one I have to mention is um, I actually wrote down one, but I'm going to change it. Uh, I wrote down a different episode. Um, I adore Newsroom. I think mm. it's one of the best shows ever out there. Um, the highest rated, the one I, I picked initially is called Oh Shenandoah, but I'm going to change it. It's season one, episode four. It's called I'll Try to Fix You. Um, Newsroom does this really interesting thing in season one where they try to tie in real world events. So like episode one is the Deepwater Horizon you know, um, oil ex- rig explosion. Um, and there's a few episodes, it, 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 like every episode has something that ties it together. Um, and the episode four is, um, uh, where Arizona Congresswoman Gabby Giffords gets shot and they have to cover it. It's, it's the finale to this episode. And I love these characters. I love the tension. And then all of a sudden they're just interrupted by like, we got a breaking story. And there's this really incredible emotion, emotional moment that's underscored by cold place fix you. And, um, it just gets me every time. I frequently pull it up on YouTube just to watch that one scene. It's great. Um, that's that's my honorable mention. Nice. Rowan. Uh, well, discounting the ones that all of you have uh, mentioned so far, uh, I will shout out Westworld Season 2, Episode 8, Kiksuya, uh, which follows the Ghost, yeah! the ghost Nation warrior uh, Akecha, uh, played by Zahn McLaren, who I just think is absolutely stunning and gets not enough credit. Um, and uh, Rick and Morty, I'm going to shout out season four, episode eight, the Vat of Acid episode, which has one of the that was my yeah, which has one, so one of the biggest laughs I like I have ever uttered at any TV episode. You know what it is, Aaron. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, the Simpsons season seven, episode four, Bart sells his soul, and season five, episode two, Cape Fear, are also up there for me. Um, classic, classic episodes, and Only Murders in the Building, season one, episode seven, The Boy from Six B, uh, very recent. But has one of the uh, mo- uh, the most interesting uh, formats, and I hesitate to say gimmick because that makes it sound cheap. But um, stylizations, I suppose, of a television episode that I've seen in a long time, um, utterly, uh, utterly fascinating, is what I was going to say before my tongue slipped. Nice. <laughs> well, that'll do it. Um, let us know your top five. Tweet at us at Sipop. Would love to hear your top five. Would love to hear what you disagree, what you agree with about with us. Um, maybe here's a fun challenge. You can only make a top five out of episodes that we mentioned. Ooh, hmm, that might be fun. That is good. Um, there we go. Including honorable mentions of course. as well. Any episode that we mentioned during this segment. That might be fun. Give us your top five of episodes we mentioned. As well as your top five of no uh the filters um there we go this just leaves us with, leaves us with the spinoff i'll kick us off here one thing in an ear pop culture you want people to, write, to tell everybody to check out order to avoid i don't have much because we recorded two days ago and i've been busy um so i've just my games that i've been playing recently i'm, I'm throwing it back to the ps3 um and for some reason i'm playing the two sequels to the army of two video games because i played them when they came out 
And I just wanted a nostalgia trip of some mindless fun. And honestly, um, the Devil's Cartel is eh. Um, but I really like that first Army of Two game and Army of Two the 40th Day. I think there's some really interesting mechanics in there. Um, and especially the first game you can get through in about four hours. It's very quick. That one is backwards compatible on Xbox. So um, Army of Two um, kind of franchises is my thing. Uh, the first two are really good. The third one is different. It's fine. It's not great. Um, that's it. Uh, Jack, what you got? Uh, since I feel like we've already talked about a lot of the stuff that I've interacted with recently, I just want to shout out um, something that I've I've returned to. Um, it's my favorite book of all time is the Fables graphic novel series. And if you guys have played The nice. Wolf Among Us, the game, I think it's a, a masterpiece of a game too. But essentially, it's a, a graphic novel about um, the kind of gritty reality of what it would mean if fairy t- all fairy tale characters were actual real people starring um, the, the main character being the the big bad wolf as a detective that everybody hates and Snow White as kind of like the essentially the mayor. Not there is a mayor, but she kind of does the operations. It's brilliant. It's super dark and, and scary um, often and really complicated and builds one of the most uh, interesting worlds that I've ever been been able to like interact with it's it's i just recommend it so much cool mm-hmm. what you got Rowan? uh so recently uh i have been knocking off some of the letterbox top 250 uh that i feel like i should got uh, uh that i feel like i should get to and i came uh, up upon this film which is number five uh that no one has seen uh has a 4.5 rating on letterboxd it's called a dog's will it is the edited version uh, of a um of a brazilian miniseries uh and yeah uh this is a movie for sure um (laughs) definitely not four and a half um you know up to that snuff i have a feeling it has a it has an it has an extremely dedicated fan base who really want people to know that they love this, that they love, love, love this. Um, but I do, I would honestly recommend this uh, if, you know, I'm sure, you know, completionists who are trying to work through the top 250 are going to have to get to it eventually. Um, uh, but yeah, uh, I mean, there was a lot about this that intrigued me right off the bat, uh, especially the synopsis. So go read that. And if that doesn't interest you. I don't know what will, um, but it does move very fast. And in that way, you can tell that it's the edited version of a miniseries uh, because like all, all the dialogue is super quick and there's not really any time to rest. Um, but uh, yeah, so, you know, subscribe to any theory you want as to why this is uh, why this is near the top uh, of Letterboxd's most prestigious list. Um, but I am glad that I watched it, uh, if, if not only for the, the cultural exposure, um, but also just the peace of mind knowing that I have seen this and that i can now form my own opinion about it as opposed to just seeing it as this this uh legendary uh quote-unquote best film of all time so yeah nice yeah it's in my watch list because i think the synopsis is fascinating Mm -hmm. yeah um and i was going through imdb or letterboxd's top 250 one day and i was like yo (laughs) what is sounds (laughs) so interesting yeah um so yeah well that's a wrap uh, remember, you can follow Rowan and Jack uh, at their Twitter handles. Uh, I'll have those linked in the episode description. Uh, Bits of Joel and Jack underscore Grimmy. Um, so remember, uh, I'll have those in the episode description so you can find them easily. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Letterboxd at Schweitcastle. Uh, also, remind us Hip Hop Writers Room is part of the Studio DNA Network. You can check out other great shows by searching Studio DNA or by going to studiodna.media. And if you want to write for hiphop.com, you're going to get in contact with the show, send questions to explore during the B plot. 
um, or feedback or anything like that, writersroom at sifpop.com. You can email that. Um, and then uh, please don't forget to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if you're listening over there. Uh, next week on the podcast, uh, uh, we're talking about The Great Escape um, as our GOAT segment. And I will have Robert joining me and special guest Andrew Ormsby. Uh, I thought that would be a lot of fun to have him on the show, given that like that's his forte. Uh, I thought that would be... Yeah, so come back next week. Uh, we'll, we'll have that in store for you. We should be back on a normal schedule next week. I know this episode's coming out a little late, too. So, like, we should be good now that we're all caught up. Uh, on the next month on TV, I have Jacob and Austin joining me, um, two, two writers. Uh, it'll be hopefully more things Westworld for me to talk about. Definitely some more Letterkenny. Um, She-Hulk, House of Dragons, Rings of Power, probably. Um, we'll see. So uh, all that stuff. Guys, thanks for hanging in there. I uh, appreciate you guys talking all the movies and TVs and stuff with me. Really enjoyed this uh, conversation. It's been a lot of fun. Yeah. Had a great time. Sure. Just... Yeah. So uh, I know I know Jack's got to get going so he can finish Better Call Saul before his internet goes out. <laughs> yep, so, exactly. Couldn't uh, be more right. <laughs> we'll see you guys next time.